Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. And for those of you who are familiar with our Jewish Unity Initiative, courtesy of our amazing friends, B and Ralph Rosenbaum, and Ralph is with us literally in our studio here this afternoon in Jerusalem. Um, uh, because of their generosity and their uh, forward thinking, we are in Israel to show support for our brothers and sisters and to give all of you listening around the world a perspective of what life is like right now in the Holy Land. Joining me in this first hour is Rabbi Yigal Siegel, resident of Jerusalem. Somebody who's... Uh, Rabbi, can we do 1.30? Would that be all right? Okay. No, Rabbi Tarragon has just uh, walked in, and he is our host here today at Yeshiva Hotel, and he is going to join us at, at 6.30 a.m. Eastern time here at JM and the AM. Yigal Siegel, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you, oh, there you are. Thank you, Nah. A um, couple of things. First of all, I want you to join me in saying one thing that we've discovered over the last two days. How many thousands of causes, I'm sure all of them oh, good, wow. have popped up over the last three weeks, right? Okay, and people obviously have to evaluate, et cetera. Right. One thing we, you and I can state unequivocally, and I think it's important to say this to the audience, and we'll hopefully repeat it later on, any small community, any small community committee um, from State Road and down south, you know, the entire Gaza Strip area, Gaza Strip border, that is raising money for security needs, you can rely 100% that anything you give is 100% necessary. I think that's something you and I can state to this audience after what we've been through over the last 24 hours. I would say 100% you're right. So again, there are a million causes, and we encourage people to support all of them, and obviously vet them, etc. But if there are committees and online campaigns, DAFCA, that you know are actual campaigns, you know, being run by responsible people, DAFCA asking for security needs for cities in the South who are going to try to rebuild, and the first step in rebuilding is to increase security. As Egal pointed out to me earlier today, they have immediate needs because there are people in these towns that are now deserted who go back just to care for the hothouses, to care for the fields, uh, all the farming needs, etc. Obviously, they need to be as secure as possible. So again, if you're wondering about where the majority of the effort right now is going to be needed, and of course, as this war progresses, the needs are just going to keep growing, uh, it's going to be in the area of rebuilding, meaning housing and bomb shelters and security. Uh, as we just mentioned a moment ago. So keep that in mind as you're deciding what communities to support and how much to give. It's an important uh, thing to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, uh, I have spent this morning uh, in a way that too many of our brothers and sisters have spent many a morning over the last three weeks, and that was paying a shiva call to the family of a lone soldier. Um, in 2019, he made aliyah, as a lone soldier, the week after the 2019 charter flight, he was on a group flight, and attended the Jewish Day School in Rockville, Maryland, 
And tonight, excuse me, tomorrow night, I believe it's tomorrow night. I, I, it's either tonight or tomorrow night. The, the Jewish Day School in Rockville is doing a memorial service for him, uh, which the family is going to be watching in the middle of the night, you know, via live stream. And uh, I just don't have, I don't have his name in front of me, but the, 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 according, to the, according to what his father said to us this morning, he is the first in this, in this and you said to me, this is a well-known landmark day school. Like this yeah, is, Charles this, E. Smith Day School. Yeah, like it's a really famous American day school for many, many years. And, and this is the first student who has fallen as a member of the IDF, and they're noting that. They're noting that, obviously, with great sadness and great pride, obviously, because they, they have insane numbers, at least the numbers that I saw in terms of how many students have made Aliyah from that school is, is pretty significant, which is really amazing. Uh-huh. He made Aliyah with five classmates. So imagine, you know. Uh, but this was the first to, he was the first to fall. So we were there today. I think his name is Omer Balva. Yeah, the, Omer Balva, Balva. the Balva family is suffering. And boy, are they suffering. And this scene that we were part of today is being replayed or played out, I should say, all over this country. Uh, you wonder what's happening here and what the difference is between the feeling of pain and anguish in Israel and the feeling of pain and anguish that we have in the diaspora. And this is one of those examples. I mean, people are, you know, very often spending a good part of their day visiting people who are in this terrible state of agony. Um, and then imagine, as we always say, it's not just those who are sitting shiva and observing Shloshim for those who've been killed. But we have a whole group of young and old brothers and sisters who are being held by the enemy, who are abducted and are being held by the enemy. And imagine what their families are going through. And then, of course, the wounded soldiers. Today I saw some videos of some of the people going around to the hospitals just to put a smile on the face of the soldiers, and it works. <laughs> Sometimes they have really innovative ideas, and, and it works. But my gosh, there are so many. And again, it's all around the entire country. So those are some of the things that um, have been happening over the last 21 hours. Since well, we, can I ask you where you were last night? I was just going to say, since, <laughs> since we went off the air. Sorry. But last, no, not at all. But last night, uh, I had the opportunity to participate in one of the saddest and most joyous occasions imaginable. Sad because it, it, it was the result of being a displaced family from the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple from Stayrote who were scheduled to get married last night in Stayrote had to get married uh, in Jerusalem. And our friends at Nefesh Benefesh provided the venue, which is really cool. Their building has a beautiful porch, as you know. And was, I posted it. People can see it at facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel. And um, a beautiful chuppah, of course, you know, when the florist found out that uh, the family's making a wedding, of course, they sent over all the flowers, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how these things work. The family said to Rabbi Fez, we don't need flowers. We don't need, you know, like, you know, we're making this very simple, and we had planned the wedding, you know, but that's obviously not going to be ha-. So, of course, Rabbi Fez contacts the florist, and they're like, oh, we're not letting this wedding happen without flowers all over the chuppah and flowers on the table. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... I said tongue-in-cheek, and I hope our American listeners take it that way, <laughs> that in the United States, if a wedding, for whatever reason, gets moved to another venue, it's, it's a, it, and by the way, legitimately, it's a depressing feeling. You know, you have a certain vision of how you want your wedding. Last night, this happens. They have no home, right? Essentially, they have no home at the moment. They're um, you know, surrounded by 30, 40 friends and relatives who are there, and this Hassan and Kala could not be any happier. I mean, the venue changed, and it's so different than what they wanted and expected, and they are just elated that this wedding is taking place. It was so beautiful to see that and to experience it. And again, 
a lot of this is being played out in many other areas of the country because, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, even if you have a wedding scheduled for a place that reasonably, you know, would be able to uh, to, to uh, host your wedding, chances are they're closed or that their workers are either in, in Miluim or workers that you're not in the mood to work with anymore. So it's, uh, you know, it's hard just to find a venue in general, even if it was scheduled and, and it seemed that there was no reason geographically why it wouldn't open up. So there's a lot of closed wedding halls around the uh, around the country. So that was, yeah, that was something. Being there last night, seeing a real simcha and experiencing it the way we did. And then, of course, the dichotomy, uh, being on the road all the way to Herzliya this morning and um, and paying a shiva call to a family that is just reeling in pain. Um, you know, we were at Har Herzl, and this was yesterday morning, and one of the things that, that I couldn't help notice, and I'm sure everybody goes through the same thing when they visit Har Herzl, is almost every grave, 21, 22, 20, 23. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about children who are all, except for my Gavri, all under the age of my children. So imagine, you know, what, what parents go through when these things happen. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's part of being here. Now, we have gotten a lot of thank you for coming. We've gotten a lot of that. Right. Which is really nice. Thank you for coming. And, and best <laughs> regards from our friends at the Inbal Hotel because oh. Ronnie Timson, I said to him, I said, that was so nice of you in our email exchange that you were like, so thankful that we're coming like you know <laughs> usually we're the biggest pain in the neck to you <laughs> and he says are you kidding you have no idea how thankful we are that you came and that you know and i said to him you may see us see us again soon you know please god i mean as i said a few minutes ago off the air i know that this should be obvious to everybody but this is a message to american jury tourism is now at less than zero that's i don't know if if, if, if statistically that works but the tourism industry is now at less than zero. I mean, if three weeks ago, Yigal Siegel could not walk through Yushalayim without seeing 10 tour buses during a 10-minute walk of people who were uh, you know, enjoying the experience here either before or during Sukkot, now you don't see any of that anymore. I mean, there is nothing. There's not a bus, on the, except for the regular city buses. It's not a bus on the road. Um, so tourism is suffering. And we'll continue to do so. We don't know how long this war is going to go on. All the businesses that are connected to that, obviously. Correct. Restaurants. And look like Simon said yesterday, you know, buy buy a bottle of Israeli wine. That's right. The wine industry is suffering because of uh, the lack of restaurants and hotels. It's just, it's impossible to calculate the the damage that this is, you know, just looking at from that perspective, which obviously is difficult under the circumstances. But uh, our chairman, uh, Mr. Ralph Rosenbaum, he um, he wanted to go out to dinner last night. He wanted to go out to dinner last night. And he had a certain restaurant in mind because he has certain favorite restaurants. The man's, How often is the man in Jerusalem, you go? How often is our chairman in Jerusalem? I, I see him all the time. Like every other day you <laughs> see him, right? So he wanted to go out to a restaurant in Jerusalem. And he has certain favorites that you know he makes sure to frequent because they're so delicious and so accommodating. Mm-hmm. It was closed last night, his favorite <laughs> restaurant. It was closed. Did they know you were coming, Ralph? <laughs> so, he, so he went ahead and he uh, had to go to one of those fast food joints because that was the only one that was open. So. But he seems happy. He looks happy. He is very happy, but, but I'm just giving an example of, what, of how people are suffering business-wise and how that's going to continue here for a while, unfortunately. Uh, JM and Ann, we're at Yeshiva Kotel. This is a, um, an institution 
that is among the premier of the yeshivot in Israel that are attractive to North American students. This is among, in, that cat, in our yeshiva league category, this is one of the, uh, uh, really, one of the shining lights in the world of yeshivot and seminaries for our high school children who graduate 12th grade and then want to uh, move on to, an, to a meaningful experience in Israel. And Rabbi Ruven Tarragon, who leads the overseas program here, invited us to spend day two of our two-day journey here at Yeshiva Hotel. He has begun many unique initiatives, in addition to his responsibilities at the Yeshiva, many unique initiatives because of the war. We'll discuss a lot of those. We'll meet some Israeli soldiers today, which is always heartwarming. Speak to those who've been defending the uh, will, state of Israel. Will any uh, relatives of ours... Uh I will have Gavri Siegel on Godfrey the air. Gavri Siegel's going to be here? Gavri Siegel will be on the air. I think we're going to be speaking about what it's like to be here during the war in Yeshiva. Oh, that's it. Because he decided to stay. Right. So we're going to discuss that topic. And also, he's one of the, uh, um, I don't know if it's a chairman or unit head. He has one of the responsibilities in this entire Achenu program that we're all talking about here that's coming out of here, out of Yeshiva Dakotel. So in front of you, you have a list of countries that are represented that we're going to be discussing on the air, including Australia and Holland and you know, th- and Gavri has New York, New Jersey. That's his. That's, <laughs> that's his, his country. Well, they figured they figured that it's a country. They it's figured up. that that's a region he could he could lead. <laughs> that's a region he's familiar with. You know, Australia's not here, by the way. Oh, it's not in there. <laughs> Sorry. So we'll get to some of those students. And there's an effort here, as you know, because we discussed this with uh, with Rabbi Tarragon a week or two ago. There's an effort to raise money for vests for bulletproof vests for soldiers. We'll talk about right. that coming up. There's a lot of a lot of things happening here. We'll have a lot of special guests. We're going to be joining. But us. what impressed me when we walked in, and there was like a big tumult going on in the in the lobby, and you mentioned to me that there's a whole bunch of young students here from Steyrot that are being housed by the issue, which I think is fantastic. When we walked in, we saw a group of kids that that just didn't look like they belong in right. Shana Aleph, Shana Bet of a school like this, of a yeshiva like this, and and then it hit me because I you know I was here last night with Gavri, and it hit me this must be the group from Steyrot. I think it's Steyrot. That's being housed, and I'm not sure if they're learning here. I think, in fact, they are learning here, because I think last night in the base Metrics, they were there. But, but look, and that's another scene that continues to play out all around the country, right? People from the north and south now being <coughs> relegated to hotel rooms and apartments and homes that they are not familiar with. And our hats off to the Imbal. Hotel, Correct, Inbal Hotel has... They're, they're welcoming 100, 100 rooms, I think they said. He reser- Arani says that he has set aside 118 rooms for refugees. Wow. Uh, he can't give the entire hotel, and he does want to try to maintain, you know, the press is coming next week, they're using the Inbal right. International Press, and obviously, he, and he said there's some groups coming. He says he said there was just a group from the Syrian community in Brooklyn. That was we, we that met was, them. In, we met them this morning. Yeah. That was scheduled to come, and they didn't cancel. They no. decided mm-hmm. to come and to carry out their mission. Uh, I think someone had passed away, and they were and they were using the opportunity to come and visit the family. Uh, one of their one of their teachers. They showed us pictures of you know that they had gone to right. army bases. The interesting thing they said, just as an aside, was that uh, they spoke to certain soldiers, and they said that you know we we pray for you every week. We say uh, and and the soldier they spoke to had no idea. He says, "Really, there are people outside of Israel who pray for us? Like you really didn't well, know?" This reminds me. Of, of the story in 2006. I don't know if you were with us that day. Uh, but during Sukkot, I think it was in 06, 
We go to Panay Kedem, which at that time, the Panay Kedem today is like a real city. Right. In those days, it was like, you know, four trailers. Okay. <laughs> so we go to Panay Kedem for the kite festival. And there's a bunch of Israeli soldiers, because you know, once there's a presence in the quote-unquote West Bank, there has a Jewish presence, there has to be soldiers around there. And I go over to the soldiers and I say, I say, thank you, because without you, I wouldn't be able to live in comfort in New York. Right. They looked at me like, oh, it's from <laughs> Mars. <laughs> what? You in New York even think about us and what we're doing here? Like, you know, so, oh, we think about it. We think about it a lot. And we try to visit the families when possible. We try not to feel as guilty as we are of not living in Israel. Uh, although today, when I saw Eve Harrow, who's, of course, a name very familiar to this audience, they can now, anybody who's in touch with Eve, let her know, it was very effective when she again yelled at me for living outside of Israel. <laughs> it was very effective. <laughs> she did say something to me interesting. She said, uh, Nahum, why is it that none of the uh, members of the media who I've been debating for the last God knows how many years are calling me to say that I was right? <laughs> how come nobody's doing that? Don't you think that would be nice? That would be fair? Uh, I'll tell you. There are some great leaders. She's right. Of course she's right. What kind of question is that? All right. Uh, It is a Wednesday morning edition. JM and the AM live from our our, our temporary studio in Yeshiva Rakotel, where we've been welcomed with open arms. A big thank you again to Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon. We'll speak with him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Meet some of the students who are conducting these initiatives, which have become very effective internationally. And we'll be joined by some Israeli soldiers who are going to be... uh, uh, visiting us in this studio this morning here at Yeshiva Dakota in the old city of Jerusalem. We should mention, by the way, just to give everyone a perspective, are you need? I mean, we keep saying tourism below zero. We keep saying nobody's around. If you want a perspective about how much you need, you're needed here, folks, not that I want to send anybody to a war zone, but there are people willing to, you know, to come here during this time. If you want a perspective on how badly you're needed, you could describe for a second the scene in the square of the old city. Oh, my gosh. Nobody around. There's nobody around. And who would believe 12 it? Twelve o'clock on a on a Wednesday, or, or what day is it today? Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Twelve o'clock on a Wednesday. We're, we're walking in, and there's just no one there. I mean, maybe, what, so one person sitting there is crazy. And and I think what I said to you was like, what is going to happen to the people here who have these businesses, who have restaurants, and that that are totally full all the time because of people coming back and forth. They're the beneficiaries of the heavy traffic that's always here. And now there's, there's no traffic. Just, and, and, and Ralph just said, told us that he was at the hotel and, and there was no one at the hotel. It just, yes, we need, I, 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 as I said yesterday on the air, I think it's, it's very, very important to come. And it's, I can tell you as someone who's lived here for 18 years that I very much appreciate when people come. I'd much rather people come than send me WhatsApps. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's what I would rather. I hesitate only because you don't want to send people into areas they feel are dangerous. And yeah, so then I would I would caution anyone from going to Manhattan. <laughs> Good point. No okay. offense, by the way. I know you live there. Point well taken. More coming up. It's Wednesday. It's JM in the AM. Another siren wails, just an ordinary day. Was it anyone I know? How can life go on this way? We sing the words out loud to strengthen one another. Together, standing proud. We stand as one We must be strong We will go on 
Wednesday morning broadcast, we are in our temporary studio at Yeshiva Kotel, which is among the premier yeshivot in Israel and the group of yeshivot and seminaries that our students who graduate high school attend in Israel. If they are uh, looking for a meaningful experience post-high school, Yeshiva Kotel is one of the places that they go to. And the director of the overseas program at Yeshiva Al-Kotel is a very good friend of ours and has been a guest of ours many, many times. In addition, he has taken on added responsibilities in uniting the Jewish world during this very difficult and challenging time. He is Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon, and he is with us here at Yeshiva Al-Kotel. He's actually hosting us here at Yeshiva Al-Kotel as we speak with you on JM in the AM. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. If you told me a couple of weeks ago we'd be doing this face-to-face, I don't know if I would have believed it, but it's a phenomenal feeling being here in the old city of Jerusalem with you. Nachum, it's great to be with you. 
I spoke to you, I think, two weeks ago, yeah. right, when the war started from a distance. But it's so wonderful that you've come all the way out here to give chizuk and to report to everyone there about what's going on here. And uh, I'm happy and eager to share with you about everything going on so your listeners can be in the loop. I appreciate that. First of all, we should mention and point out that when uh, the Shemini Atzeres massacre, or however it's going to be known forever, took place, uh, immediately many of your students um, uh, were drafted into reserve duty for the Israeli army. This was happening literally on that day. Gavri described to me how uh, a colleague after colleague of his, students in the yeshiva, were being called. They grabbed their stuff, got a bracha from their rebbe, and literally left on Yontif, on Shabbos, for wherever their base is. So we should mention that we're in a place that, was, that has really been on the front lines of this war. If I may say, Nachum, going back to where you started, and this is maybe a different part of our conversation, I think the war should be called the Machlokis Massacre. Wow. Because I think it happened to us because of the Machlokis we have within the Jewish people. And I know that's for a later conversation, right. but that's really what I, I suggest. But relating to the second part of your point, that was the first way you really see as an observant Jew that something's going on. It's a boy from TABC, Yitzi Rothschild, who's on the front lines, who's an alumnus of ours that lives here in Israel. And he was here for Simchat Torah. He said, Rebbe, can I use your apartment here? I'm like, what do you need? He goes, I need to talk on the phone. Because wow. he had to turn his phone on and call his commander. And, sure. you know, we're used to, you don't have your phone on. And that's how I realized right away, this isn't just a regular siren. And as you said, you know, the older students, uh, you know, who've been in the army, the Israelis, you know, etc., they were going one by one throughout the day. And we realized something was up. You know when this first hit me, by the way, about your yeshiva? And that's why, again, parents who are considering where to send their boys as they're in 11th and 12th grade, they, they should pay, if they care about these things the way I do, they should pay attention to this. We had, as you know, a great simcha, the Siegel and Pilachowski family, and we're at the engagement party last December in Mitzpah Yericho, and a couple of boys show up, and I say to Yoshua, who are these guys? Like, you know, they weren't friends from TABC that I knew. She goes, no, these are guys who I went with the Yeshiva Dakota. I said, and they're back here to celebrate with you? He goes, No. 10 out of 50, I believe that was the, that the, the percentage, the ratio that he quoted. 10 out of 50 of my classmates, because generally you have 50 foreigners, right? 10 out of 50 decided after yeshiva to stay in Israel. So this is one-fifth, 20% of the class that's here. And that, and now to attach it to the terrible tragedy, I say to Gavri, did you know anybody who was being called up that day? Shemini Atzeris. He goes, did I know anybody? There were 10 of them who were Americans. So, you know, of course I do them. Like, and it hit me that the, the, you know, we talk about you know, uh, relating to what our brethren are going through. We have to remember, as an American Jewish community, we do have a significant number of students who are now soldiers, who are now serving in the Israeli army. Well, to relate to the beginning and end of your statements, so first of all, just to be crystal clear, the vast majority of our boys come without any intention of staying. Correct. And don't stay, and they get a strong Israel experience. Most <laughs> of the boys who stay are boys who come with that intention uh, that they're passionate about making up. Where my target could serve that, that some of the parents well, might think it's an automatic, huh? Well, you know. <laughs> I get it. We do want people to realize that most of the guys coming We're are still not, a one or two year old, a two year program. We're right? still a two year program. <laughs> most of our guys are, you know, back in America and England where they come from. But yeah, it's become much more popular for people to stay in Israel. I think it's happening, frankly, in all the yeshiva. Right. Uh, there isn't a yeshiva where it's not happening. Machal today is not for people who don't fit in socially or don't have a place to go back to in America. It's for a lot of normal boys, normal families who are doing it. And I'm sure everyone knows people are doing machal. And 
Aliyah in general from the United States and other countries has gone up, and that's why there were so many Americans involved in the tragedy and who were being held hostage. Yeah. That you didn't have that in 1973, 1967 right. in the Malot Massacre. Americans are a big part of the fabric of society here. And that's in all ways. In all ways, we're part of what's going on here, our own people. I'm sure most of your listeners have grandchildren or the grandchildren of friends or their own children or the children of friends. I don't think you have a single listener who doesn't personal, know personally someone who's on the front lines here in Israel. Did we feel it in the Beit Midrash? Was there an emptiness in the days following the start of the war with uh, so many of the boys being called up? Yes and no. Yes, because basically everyone who had done the army in the past was called up. So all the Shanadala guys and the Shanahe guys and the Kolo guys, anyone who did a military role in the army, mm-hmm. and even others who right. did technical roles. But no, because we invited yeshivot who didn't have a place to go uh, to come learn with us here. So we filled the Beit Midrash by opening our doors to others and there are groups coming to learn each one a week, you know, as they need. So the Beit Midrash is packed. Um, and they're coming from, give us an example of which cities they're coming from. They're coming from the south mainly, uh, different places. Including in Sterot? Uh, Sterot Yeshiva is not here, but there are Yeshivot from Sterot and other places. And there are high schools and places there who are looking for places to go. And we all have to open our doors uh, to, to invite them in and it strengthens both at this time of uh, coming together for the Jewish people. So a lot of our guys aren't here, but the base manager is full. Unbelievable. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon is here. Now tell me about the instructors, the Ramim, the Rabbeim. Um, how many of them had to go and serve? So yeah, you know, our Rabbeim are people who have done the army, mostly, and uh, five of them were called up. Uh, one of them who teaches the overseas boys, and we were able to find replacements, not just the Rabbeim, there are Madrichim and uh, assistant Rabbeim, all kinds of staff who've been drafted, and we're, we're doing our best to help them. And you mentioned alumni in Israel. We asked alumni to come in, each one a Seder a day, to fill in for staff who've been drafted in Baruch Hashem. <laughs> wow. the, the response has been excellent. Uh, Josh Fagan from Woodmere sure. was here. Josh Appel from Queens was <laughs> here. Uh, Eric Lenevsky, I can keep going. Andrew Haberman, <laughs> I don't want to shortchange Well, it. these are names very familiar to people yeah. listening, so yeah, it's significant. Everyone has to do their part. I think that's a message we're going to talk throughout the conversation. No one on, this, on your station can unify the whole people. No one can solve the problem of Hamas. But we all have to do our part. and We have to make sure we're doing everything we can on all these areas. Every Jew has to ask themselves today, am I doing everything I can that I'm called upon to do for the Jewish people right now? But it does seem, and we got this sense two weeks ago when we first spoke, and certainly I'm getting the sense as I walk through the halls of Yeshiva Rakotel, it does seem that you have taken on an additional responsibility because in this conversation you've, you've laid out what has happened and, you know, the state of the yeshiva now. It's, it's different than you expect. You didn't expect people from other yeshivas around the country to be using your Beit Midrash. I mean, it's, it's different than it was. And in a way, you've already done, you know, your part in this got to be there to, you know, to play a role in this entire operation. But you felt that wasn't enough. You, you, it's obvious, uh, based on the, uh, the signage and the, and the WhatsApp groups, you felt there needed to be a, form- a formal... Um, um, uh, c- collection or a formal uh, initiative that was introduced in order to combat Hamas, in order to increase the brotherhood in the Jewish community. Tell us about that. So before I get there, just to fill in a couple of pieces. So we talked about just the yeshiva and people being drafted. Right. Big responsibility we had right away was getting the program set for boys to come back a week early. They were supposed oh, to take right. the Poland trip, bring them back, get their learning set, get a program set. Speak to parents who naturally are nervous, and I'm very proud of our parent body, 
who are standing strong and supporting the boys being here. Almost everyone. We understand those who, who wanted to bring their sons home. We have no... But it's uh, a very high percentage. Our percentage here is 95%. Yeah, it's high. Uh, here. And, we and for the USA, I think it's even higher. Right, the USA yeah. in particular. Right. And uh, our parents deserve a lot of credit for that. 100%. For, for standing strong. And they Proud all to deserve be a parent, yeah. If you know people whose children are in Israel, you should be walking over to them and saying, Yeshikoach, on behalf 100%. of the Jewish people. Those who've brought their sons back should also be giving Yeshikoach and respected. But obviously those who've kept their children here are doing something for the Jewish people and they need to be given a thank you. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you know someone who has a kid in Israel still there, just send them a Yeshikoach. I'll give you an example, Nachum, just related. Sure. One of the groups I run, and I'm running a lot of WhatsApp groups, getting information out and galvanizing people. Someone posted that there's a German, non-Jewish professor in Oxford who's fighting against anti-Semitism and fighting against Hamas, and we should say thank you. They gave her the number, and I reached out to her yesterday. I said, I want to thank you on behalf of the Jewish people. I gave her my name, told her what I am, who I do, what I do. She wrote me back. It means a lot to me, and that's the Jewish people. You appreciate, you care for those who care for you, and so we should all be thinking, who can we reach out to to give a yeshikach. Even if we can't in ourselves do something, we can give a yeshikach. And that's the global communications that made that possible. But to get back to your question, sure. the second major area we've dealt with is supporting our chayalim, right. our Israeli chayalim, our original, from Chutzlaretz chayalim, their wives, their families. Everyone needs help right now. They need support. We sent flowers to the wives of the chayalim. Multiple Shabbat, times, right? The first two Shabbat right. we look forward this week also. We hope to add parents. But also real equipment that's missing which will bring us to the next topics. Sadly, the Israeli army had to, had to call up so many reserves that they don't I'm have so enough quickly. equipment. Basic life-saving equipment. And we've been working, A, here in the yeshiva, getting equipment to our guys that they need. And that got me involved in helping to raise funds and coordinate efforts for all the chayalim, you know, with Rev Rimon. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, over the past weeks, we've looked for areas that we can help Kalal Yisrael beyond the yeshiva and beyond the soldiers. And the two initiatives you're referring to briefly, we can discuss them if you Please. want, is one is a student-run initiative from Yeshiva Koto called Not Going Anywhere. Not to pressure people to stay, but to strengthen those who want to stay. The students, the parents, where they're sharing materials every day. There's a sicha of a different rav, mostly from America, to give strength to the boys and the parents. Rav Herschel Schechter, Rav Ayer Leibowitz, Rav Ephraim Goldberg, Rav Mordechai Willig. Rabbi Willig spoke about his experience here during the Six-Day War. That's right. Which was really powerful. And again, our goal is not, it's to give strength to those who are looking to be strengthened. And there's a thousand Shiva seminary students, others in the group, and every day they're posting for each other what they're doing. And it gives a lot of chizik to see that others are doing that as well. But the real big initiative is the number one thing I think we need to do right now. I think the danger we face is that we deal with the water on the floor and not the faucet. I want to explain what I mean. We're God-fearing Jews. We believe that for sure major events are from God's hand. We believe that what we suffered is not just because crazy Hamasnikim decided to attack us. Hashem had to let them and make it possible. And we have to ask ourselves, like with everything else in our lives, why is this happening to us? And with the Holocaust, there's still a big debate why it happened. We don't know. Some people say it's because they didn't go to Israel. Some people say because they did go to Israel. Here, I've only heard one explanation because we were fighting with each other. It's the terrible. only thing people are talking about. That's the only explanation, mainstream explanation that I've heard. And, uh, and many Rabbanim have reached out to me about it. That we know how terrible things were here, to the point where Jews wouldn't sit in the same sukkah with each other before sukkahs. And we saw what happened in Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, and, and sukkahs and hakafos. Do we really have a question about why this happened to us? And if we vanquish Hamas, may we be lucky and support the civilians, and return to where we were the day before Simchat Torah, it's, that would be wonderful, but we've missed the point. We'd be back at square one. 
if Hashem caused this to happen to us because we were so divided and so fractured, if we don't figure out a way this time, we missed it in 1967, we missed it in 1973, we missed it after COVID, if we don't figure out a way this time to come out of this unified as a Jewish people, all Jews in all places, if I'm a Kodesh Baruch Hu, I'm asking myself, what do I have to do to get you to come together? And I think every Jew around the world needs to figure out how do I transcend my differentness, my association, my denomination, and figure out a way to bring the Jewish people together around the world, not just in Bergen County, not just in New Jersey, not just in the United States, around the world. And that's what Achenu is about. We're working hard at trying to get Jews to transcend themselves. Uh, it's very hard. But how does, it, how does it manifest itself? Do people sign up? Is there a formal program? How does it manifest itself? It's an excellent question. Nachman, you're cutting right to the chase here. <laughs> so first of well, all, people I'm sure want to join. So there's a lot of wonderful Achdod initiatives going on around the world. Uh, days of care and days of prayer. And they're great and they should be continued. But they're sectarian. Every country has them going on for particular groups, not for all the people in that country and for sure not connected to around the world. The way we set up Achinu is we're working in 60 countries. Each one of those countries is working in their local level, each community on their local level. We're giving advice on how to build Achdus, and we're doing two more things. We're sharing those initiatives with one another so everyone can feel like it's Achdus of the Jewish world. And we've created a brand called Achenu, One People, One Family, One Fate. It's in 12 languages on the website. So that if everyone can wear this bumper sticker, shirt, banner outside your shul, school, home, business. In each country, outside every Jewish home and business, Jews will feel like we're connected to one another. You don't have to affiliate. You don't have to be committed. By the way, someone said we should use the word one destiny. But we said there are maybe some Jews who don't believe they're part of one destiny. Right. But we all have one fate. Right. We're definitely in a boat that's going down together. And we knew that from the Nazis, and we're seeing it again now. The Jews who were attacked... We're not nobody asked. mostly not religious Jews. And nobody mostly, asked if they observe or not. Uh, and most of them were not observant. Right. And I think that we're still going to be different. We're still going to disagree. We still know this way of Judaism, I believe, is right, and this, I believe, is wrong. And we're not asking anyone to give legitimacy to any other person's way of life. We're asking each other, emphasize the brotherhood that we have with one another. We're so be, the yeah. answer to that question, because I didn't answer your uh -huh. question, is sign up for Achenu. There's a website. There are WhatsApp groups. Put a banner outside your home get your rabbis, get your community leaders to put out a joint statement. And the initiative we're starting now is a global seum, where Shas Mishnayas is being learned, a Mishnah for each chayal policeman and civilian who was killed, 40 columns, one for each community around the world. Go into the website, achinu.world, backslash seum. Go into the Google document, write yourself down for some Mishnayas. Because you're not just going to be learning in Bergen County. You're going to be learning as part of Klaus. And it's achinu.world, you said? Dot world. Achinu.world. You got it. That's a great address, frankly. How did you get to 60 so quickly? We're going to be speaking to some of the students from different parts of the world who are here in Jerusalem now um, about their specific efforts, but it sounds like to get to 60 countries and have you know some type of presence in each one of these countries in just two, three weeks is quite a task. How do you do it so fast? So first of all, you mentioned the fact that Achenu is being run by volunteers, right. many in Shiva Dakota, many in other places, and frankly, for the Shiva Dakota students, it's good because it gives them a way between this Durham, we're telling them during the Seder Learn, but during the break, this is the time to make a difference for Klai, so it's inspired them. Um, Baruch Hashem, I know and have gotten to know people in different countries through different initiatives around the world. I want to mention that World Mizrahi, obviously, right. who we know and love, and our wishes go out to Rab Daron and his family about their son, who we hope is brought back very quickly and safely and sound. Um, world Mizrahi is doing wonderful things. 
on behalf of the Jewish people right now, um, the Rav Ramon campaign, the tefillah and chizuk, the right. leather writing, too much, frankly, to, to, to be able to share in just one brief meeting, but they're spearheading these efforts. The reason this is not a World Mizrahi uh, event is because the goal is for it to include everyone. Right. As soon as it's an organization, Mizrahi, Aguda, OU, Hakotel, well, that's them, not me. This is meant to be us. And so we're all supporting it, but this is being done independently. But getting back to, through the different uh, initiatives I run, Vayichan, which I'm sure you remember, sure. which was in countries around the world, and different world Mizrahi events around the world. Baruch Hashem, I've gotten familiar with people from different countries. I met yesterday with Rabbi Berkowitz, Shlita from Eish Torah, a big tzaddik and leader. So the Eish people are getting involved, and that's the goal. The goal is let's get our best team on the field in each country. It doesn't matter which part we're shaykh to, and bring the Jewish people together. If I share with you later who we hope to speak at the Seum that we're making in three weeks from now, you'll see right away just the breath of people fresh air. You said to me off the air that there was a miraculous uh, story, I don't know if you call it a miracle, but certainly one of, uh, you know, where the one above, it seemed, had some intervention. Uh, just recently, as you're making this effort to get different rabbis and leaders around the world to participate in Achenu, what happened? So again, miracles, what do we know? But when you do the right thing, sometimes you see that you're just a piece and God is uh, guiding you. In fact, I'll take a step back. I'm so busy working on all these things and helping the boys and etc. And I go into Shabbos, I'm exhausted, I'm not sleeping. And, well, uh, you're known for not getting much sleep anyway. But the <laughs> that's a separate issue. A week and a half ago, Shabbos in shul, I went to Davin like a yid. I finally slept at night. And all of a sudden, my mind was taken over. And ideas just got flooding my mind. I, I couldn't Davin. I couldn't focus on anything. And for whole Shabbos, I was like a captive audience. Things were screening in front of me about a lot of what needs to happen, what needs to happen, what needs to happen. Again, we believe God puts us the ideas. They don't come from light bulbs. And so I, f- I felt throughout the process driven. But just to get back to the story you mentioned, <clears throat> I reached out to one of the Supreme Court justices in Israel, and we know how much they yeah. were part of the fractious, sure. I'm not blaming them, but they, no, were, but they were part of it. Right. We're part of the two teams tangoing. And I said, I'd like the chief justice of the state of Israel, Esther Chiyut, I'd like her to speak as part of the Achtos program. And the people I tell this to are like, what's wrong with you? That's the other side. I said, there's no side. This is the Jewish people. And I asked him if he would speak to Esther Chiyut to speak. He said, absolutely. Monday, yesterday, I got out of Shir. I look at my phone. There's a letter of approval from the chief rabbi of Israel. It touched me. For Achenu. For Achenu. Two minutes later, I get a phone call from the, chief, from the justice, Noam Solberg. He's a religious justice right now. He goes, I'm going into Esther Chiyut. I just have one question. Who supports this? I said, the chief rabbi of the state of Israel. He goes, really? Wow, that's serious. He goes, can you show me anything? I said, you have a letter. Wow. He said, can you send it over to me? Yeah, I goes, I happen to have it right here on my phone. Now, I, I, you know, I mean, what did I do, right? Who, could I possibly have arranged that? I'll tell you a story about the vests. I don't know if you want to talk about it. The vest campaign where, you know, with Reverend Mo, World Mizrahi spearheading. There were vests in Haifa that got in late Thursday night. The army said on Sunday, we'll deal with them. Ellie Tarragon, my cousin who's running Reverend organization, said, this is Sakonis Nefashos, there's no Sunday. Tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning, we're there to pick up the vests. And I was talking to a friend of mine from uh, New Jersey, for, we know from Lower East Side, Chaim Mayor Mermelstein, sure. we all know him. And we were talking about things, and, and he said to me, you know, I have friends, a company of my wife's friend in Haifa, they have trucks, would it be helpful to you? You know, there's vests there, these are heavy vests. I said, you know what, it was three o'clock in the morning, let me see. I go into the WhatsApp of my cousin, Ellie Tarragon, and he has a message from me. Do you know anyone who can bring the vests from Haifa? We need some serious vehicles. So, <laughs> meaning, I, I know nothing. I'm just, Chaim Mermelstein, Mer said many recommendations. I go in there, he's asking me the same question. I'm like, I'm a small piece. 
of something bigger that someone's coordinating. You know, we say in Tehillim, God's rod and his staff console us. And the Mephoshim explained, when God hits us, he shows us a little nechama afterward, just to let you know, I'm there with you. I had to hit you, but I'm there with you. So these little pieces... And there's an additional point, and that is when you make the effort, he helps you along. You he gets you to the last step. Siyata dishmaya, right. right? It's not... It's siyata dishmaya. And that, that's the point I want to I ask everyone listening to this. Everyone has to ask themselves, what am I doing right now? Am I doing the most I can do right now? The most. Right. And I personally believe the efforts need to be invested in achdus. And I want to start from each individual. Every person has a family member they don't talk to. Isn't that sad? They have neighbors they have tension with. They have people across the street they never talk to and Jews around the block who they don't talk to because they're not like me. Every Jew has to start with themselves, not with the community. How do I make up with that family member? I want to share a beautiful story with you, Nachum. I spoke yesterday to Rev Berkowitz. I mentioned from Eshatur. He right. told me he was counseling a couple, married couple, who had very serious issues to the point where they don't talk to each other. They stay together for the kids, but they don't talk to each other. So after the Simchas Torah massacre, the husband wrote a letter to the wife. He said, you know, we have bigger issues right now. Whatever you want. And he got them made up. And this gives us an opportunity to bury the hatchet with people you can't go to on a regular day. You can't talk to them because how are you going to... Now you can say, I'm Yisrael needs to make up, we need to make up. Are we reaching out? Are we arranging community events that include every Jew in the community? Are we arranging them in a way that includes them? Rav Shechter said people can reach out to them with Shailas about how to do it. He said, wow. I, when I spoke to Rav Shechter... A halachic way to do it. I said to Rav Shechter, you know, he sent out a video in support. I right. said, can we include non-religious? Because they absolutely need to include non-religious. I said... Can I send people to you to ask you? you right, know, it might have all full of other things, right, right. What's the right way? There's shyless And these things right. need to be done in a way that's right. right for everyone or it's not comfortable for people. I thank you. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon is our host. Yeshiva Dakotel is our host as we broadcast on a Wednesday morning here at JMM. We're going to meet some of the people that we alluded to earlier in the next couple of hours, and I hope you'll join us toward the end of the show again uh, to encourage more and more people. And it's achenu.world, achenu.world world in order to participate in the initiative. And you can read about it if you speak English, Hebrew, Spanish, Portuguese, French, Czech, Dutch. Um, I'm forgetting a few. <laughs> We're actually looking for people to translate into Russian and Italian. We haven't yet found those people. So if you speak those languages and can help us because it's the whole world's Jewish community. And I'll just share one last point with you. Yeah. This week's parsha, Hashem tells Avram, your children are going into Gullus. He says, Zar, right? Your children will be uh, foreigners. In the Why does it say ger? It should say ger in plural. So the Svarim explained that when Jews are in Gullus, they feel alone. They feel separated. And even if we have all the Jews in Bergen County, we still feel we're isolated, we're being attacked. As soon as we start to feel the Jews in Uruguay and Tanzania, we're going to feel a different feeling. And that's part of Geula, coming together from around the world. Right. This is a moment where we can take something positive out of the negative. Let's take advantage of it. Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon, we're at Yeshiva.Kotel. It is a Wednesday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Come on, you can't 
Eitan Katz wraps up the hour for us here at JMNAM. We're in our mobile studio in Yeshiva Dakotel. We are being hosted by the Yeshiva and the wonderful Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon. We are talking about uh, what's happening in Israel right now, as you've heard in the first hour this morning. We were at a shiva call in a scene that is being replicated too often in this country right now for a lone soldier um, in Herzliya, his family sitting shiva in Herzliya. Last night we were at a wedding at Nefesh Ben Nefesh for a couple from Steyrot who were not able to uh, get married in Steyrot as originally planned, so they were at the Nefesh Ben Nefesh headquarters getting married last evening. And um, we continue to pray for those who are abducted, those who are being held hostage by the enemy, for those who hate life, or by those, I should say, who hate life. We continue to pray for the health of our soldiers and civilians who have been injured and wounded in the attacks that started this war. And we continue to pray for our soldiers on the front lines, both in the south and the north. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next at JMDM. גלי צהל מירושלים השעה שתיים, שלום רב, באולפן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. דיווחים בסוריה, ישראל תקפה פעם נוספת את שדה התעופה הבינלאומי בחלב. על פי הדיווח, שני טילים נורו לעבר מסלול ההמראה המזרחי. כתבנו לעניינים ערביים ג'קי חוגי מוסיף ששדה התעופה הושבת. בלבנון מחבלים שיקרו טיל נ"ט לעבר טנק של צהל במרחב אביבים, אי נפגעים. טנקים וכוחות ארטילריה השיבו באש לעבר מקום הירי. במקביל רקטה שוגרה לפני שעה קלה מעזה לכרמל והתפוצצה באוויר. ראש הממשלת קטאר אומר בצהריים, יש התקדמות בשיחות עם חמאס לשחרור החטופים. ראש המטה לביטחון לאומי הנגבי כתב בטוויטר באותו הזמן, המאמצים הדיפלומטיים של קטאר חיוניים, מדווח כתבנו המדיני יניר קוזין. גורמים בישראל מאשרים כי ישנם מגעים דחופים מול הקטארים להביא לשחרור חטופים נוספים משבי חמאס, ובכוונה לשחרר מספר גדול יותר של חטופים משתי הפעמים הקודמות. עם זאת, אותם גורמים מסייגים ואומרים, יש גם כעת לנקוט במשנה זהירות, לאחר והפרטים אינם סגורים. בתוך כך ראש המל"ל צחי הנגבי צייץ בטוויטר, כי מאמציה הדיפלומטיים של קטאר חיוניים בשלב זה, וכי היא הופכת לגורם חיוני להבאת פתרונות הומניטריים. ונשיא טורקיה ארדואן התייחס למלחמה בישראל בנאום בפני הפרלמנט הטורקי ואמר חמאס הוא לא ארגון טרור אלא ארגון שמגן על אדמתו. ארדואן הוסיף כי הוא מבטל את הביקור שתוכנן בישראל ואמר המתקפות של ישראל בעזה הן כמו רצח, כמו מחלה נפשית. כמו כן נשיא טורקיה אמר כי ישראל ניצלה בתקופה האחרונה את הכוונות הטובות של טורקיה. ידיעה שהעביר כתב חדשות החוץ ברק בטש. דובר צה"ל חשף בריאיון ברשת הטלוויזיה CBS פתק שנמצא על גופת מחבל מחמאס המעודד לביצוע טבח חסר רחמים. מדווח כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון דורון קדוש. בפתק שנכתב בכתב יד ונמצא על גופת אחד המחבלים שביצעו את הטבח בעוטף, נכתבו מילות עידוד ודרבון לבצע טבח חסר רחמים, תוך קבלת השראה ממפקדים בהיסטוריה המוסלמית שהפכו לסמל לג'יהאד. בפתק נכתב, דעו כי האויב הוא מחלה שאין לה תרופה, מלבד עריפת הראשים ועקירת הלבבות והכבדים, הסתערו עליהם. הפתק נחשף על ידי דובר צה"ל בריאיון לרשת הטלוויזיה האמריקנית CBS. ראש הממשלה נתניהו ושר האוצר סמוטריץ' סיכמו על הקמת מינהלת לטיפול בנזקי המלחמה. תקציבה יעמוד על 15 מיליארדי שקלים. מדווח כתבנו לענייני כלכלה ישראל פישר. ראש הממשלה נתניהו ושר האוצר בצלאל סמוטריץ' הסכימו על הקמת מינהלת כלכלית אזרחית לטיפול בנזקי המלחמה. 
תקציב המינהלת צפוי להיות 15 מיליארד שקלים, ובין המועמדים לתפקיד נמנים מאיר שפיגלר, מנכ"ל חברת החשמל, והאלוף במילואים יפתח רונטל, יושב ראש חברת החשמל לשעבר. כבר בשבוע שעבר הציע סמוטריץ' למנות ממונה על התחום הכלכלי-אזרחי, אך בלשכת ראש הממשלה סיכלו את מנויו של אודי אדירי לתפקיד. ומזג האוויר חם מהרגיל לעונה. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. J.M.N.A.M. hour number two at Yeshiva Kotel in Yerushalayim, the city that, um, that unites Jews. This is the city that unites Jews. And we are here in the holy city of Jerusalem, day two of our Jewish Unity Initiative. Again, God bless B. and Ralph Rosenbaum of East Brunswick, New Jersey. Ralph with us on the trip as our chairman. And uh, a big thank you to Yigal Siegel. He is producing our events. And not just on the air, by the way. Yigal basically has produced this entire trip from the moment I took off in uh, Newark. until uh, I leave later tonight. So big thank you to Yigal for all of that. Uh, we have found somebody at Yeshiva Dakotel who is my height and looks a little bit like me, and that is the one and only Gavri Siegel, who's a Shana Allah, first-year student, student at Yeshiva Dakotel. And good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon to you, nice sir. Nice to see you. What Same a way way. to reunite. Haven't seen you in a couple of months. And imagine that here in Jerusalem, you and I get to reunite. Get to see each other and spend some time together. Yeah. How are things going? Unexpected circumstances. <laughs> that. That's certainly an understatement. I was ready to wait a little bit more to see it. It's okay. <laughs> I, um, I wonder what you were thinking all through the beginning of this. Uh, not just, you know, are you, you going back to the United States or not, but you probably, ha- I mean, you're, you're one of these kids whose high school was uh, harassed by an international pandemic. Right, your high school experience, yeah. if one, one could say, was completely dependent on how one dealt with or how in your school and the country dealt with COVID. So it starts in your freshman year. Your sophomore year is completely turned upside down, right? Try to get through it, it just literally day by day. And then the junior year starts to get somewhat back to normal. It feels like it's a regular season again. Then you show up to Israel <laughs> after you graduate. And we have a very serious situation here, and one that you were able to, um, to feel how serious it was because on Shemini Atzeres, you actually saw plenty of your colleagues here literally go to the army on Shabbos. Yeah, we saw, we saw uh, almost half, not half the base measures, but a lot, of, a lot of guys just get up and leave at, uh, at different times. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Your uncle always spoke about the fact that he knew it was serious, because remember, he was here in 1973 in the Mir Yeshiva. And he always spoke about the fact that he knew it was serious when he walked out of the yeshiva, you know, for a minute on Yom Kippur and saw uh, somebody in his talus, you know, get out, of, get out of a car. He knew that this was, a, this was something very serious. You obviously felt, and, and when you told me about what Shemini Atzeres was like here, it sounded, the very same, it sounded like the same thing, that you knew that this was a, a pachad, a frightening situation, because you saw guys drop everything. And report to their bases how however they had to get there, yeah, something you uh you don't appreciate until it uh until it happens right you don't understand it simply unbelievable, and we mentioned that um when I pointed out to you that or when I asked you whether any of the uh draftees, the reservists were people you knew, you said to me, well, they weren't just Israelis, there were plenty of Americans here in Yeshiva who also so of course I knew them because you know it's an American chevra. Yeah, and they're also reporting as reservists. 
Have you seen? Have, can I assume you haven't seen the majority of them since that day? Or? Yeah, a lot of a lot of them are are still there. A few of them came back for like a day or two and then already headed back. But it's very um, it's very weird not having like the guys around that are the older guys that right. they keep the yeshiva the way it is. Right. Good point. Gavri Siegel's here. Any of your siblings discuss with you? Now, now you could reveal it because you know we're on the air. I'm putting you on the spot. Any of your siblings in that first week of the war contact you asking if uh, if you felt it would be better if you were in the United States? No. <laughs> no? None of them? I'm so happy. I don't think Even so. Even your sisters? <laughs> wow. Baruch Hashem. I don't think so. Because <laughs> the rumor is that someone in the family did toss the idea at you, but not necessarily a sibling. Uh, when yeah, I found, that, that might be true. Right. <laughs> when, I, when I found that, I was like, oh boy, I wasn't thrilled. But all right. <laughs> Thank God. I think that person felt that there was an obligation to just give you the option if you know sure. if necessary. I, I just I noticed that siblings was the only word right. that was, uh, that was so, asked about. So um, you made a comment to me um, at some point during the beginning of the war, maybe 10 days, let's say, after the start of the war. You said to me, I'm so glad I'm here for this. Now, you're not a soldier, right? You're not even essentially leaving yeshiva much to go actually you know, do something. Why do you feel that you're so glad to be here for this experience? Um, it's it's an experience that I've never really felt anything like it. Sort of only heard about when when someone came to speak to us about the Yom Kippur War, a, a student in Akoto from that time. He said well, it was crazy. Everyone, all the soldiers just got up and left. It was, it was like nothing you ever seen. And then, then you simple story, you, you experience the same thing. You're like, wow, like... Didn't really think that was possible. And besides that, it's it's nice to know that you're you're staying you're staying in the place that we've learned through our tradition is the is the place <laughs> the place to be. Right. And um, it's nice to know that by everyone fighting for it, you're you're really holding down the fort to some extent. Yeah. And uh, that's what's happening, as we've already heard this morning from Rabbi Tarragon. Um, well, I'm very proud of you, as you can imagine. I'm sure you know that. Very proud of you. Uh, your uncle is so proud, your uncle lives in Jerusalem, that he said you are invited back for a Shabbos meal. Because, I appreciate it. Because he was threatening that if you would go back to America, he would never welcome you back <laughs> here. But thank God, in the spirit of Achedu, thank God he has decided <laughs> that he's going to welcome you back. And, um, and we'll talk more because we're going to discuss the Siam, which somehow you got yourself inv- in, involved yeah, with. Yeah, I'm still asking. I mean, what you, it's a, your whole life. You're volunteering for stuff. I, I'll never figure that out. But anyway, it's a great initiative, and there's a big event coming up in a few weeks, and we'll discuss it coming up uh, later on. I hope you'll be available. Thank you very much, sir. You better say hi to Mom because she's probably tuned in right now. Hi, Mom. How are you? <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> All right. The Gavri Siegel, who is, uh, from what I'm told, one of the stalwart Shana Aleph students here in uh, in Yeshiva Dakotel. Uh Have you met students, by the way, from other parts of the world? Sure, that's fun, right? That's yeah, a, that's a cool part of this whole experience. Nice. Yeah, you now you have connections now yeah, all sure. over the all over the <laughs> globe. You, you can pick up your phone, especially this generation. You go WhatsApp people anywhere yeah. around the world at this point. All right, uh, your uncle has some great uh, guests for us lined up. Who are we doing? Uh, who are we doing first? Where do you want to go? Where are you? Some of these. Oh, is this is this who we've been waiting for? Yeah, it is. Holy cow! 
I'll take that slice of paper if you don't mind, because it might actually have your name and title on it, <laughs> in which case it would be very helpful to me. Um, Micah Pickett, is it? Yeah. Micah Pickett is here to speak about Achenu. Now, what I've been told, and Rabbi Tarragon laid out the groundwork for us earlier, is that certain students have certain regions that they're responsible for. It could be a state, could be a region of the world, a country, etc. Uh, Micah Pickett is responsible for what area of the world when it comes to Achenu? The world. The entire world. The entire world. <laughs> the globe is yours. Essentially. World domination. Have you, have you yet gone ahead and purchased a globe to put into your room to remind yourself that you're responsible for the entire thing? Not yet, but I'll contact my secretary. <laughs> oh, someone delivered this guy a globe after all he's working hard on behalf of all the countries that are being represented by Achena. So what does it mean that you have the uh, the total responsibility for this project? So I am the coordinator for different globe for coordinating with the global heads of Achenu. So if there's a person in Tanzania, I'm in contact with is the person. Is there one there? We have uh, we there's have 60, a, right? There's an Achenu branch in Tanzania. Yes. Where are you from by the way? Fairlawn, New Jersey. Why did they think that you'd be good at this? Like why did how did you find yourself being the coordinator of the worldwide effort? Simply put they needed someone to help coordinate just being in contact with people. And I know how to use spreadsheets, so I said, decided to do it. And then the rule kind of just found me. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Fresh. All right. So there, that explains it. That's a place to get a good higher education, right? Yeah, they taught us a little or, bit. Or good high school education, I should say. And obviously, whoever was responsible for teaching you about spreadsheets did a good job. They did a great to say job. The least. So what have you learned in this position? Because, it, you know, in a way... This is somewhat abstract and esoteric, you know. In a way, this is you know, it's not like it's not like you're asking people, "Hey, can you contribute to this?" or "Could you go ahead and take on this task or action?" In a way, it's a little bit more broad than that in terms of the the theory of Achenu and uniting people. What have you seen? What have you learned from this experience? I found that people really want to help out, and people want to do to do different things to impact Amisrael, especially wherever they are. What I found is that you have to you have to deliver the idea and give them ideas on how they can implement it within their community. They say, this is a really nice idea. How are we going to do Achenu? And you say, well, if you're going to take a country like England, oh, so we'll break it down to London, Manchester, and right. the little communities. But then you have to break them down to little places. And you say, within each community, you know, you should maybe run a Chalbeik and invite everyone to the Chalbeik or run a massive Shabbos dinner. And you give them the ideas and you say, I don't understand exactly how your country is run, but these are some ideas and I want to see you do it. Because I believe in you and you're capable of doing it. So just being in contact with different countries. And then they're, they're asking for ideas from other, other places. They're, the person in Germany is asking, what are they doing in Austria? And you're communicating and you're helping them connect with each other as well. Are you getting the sense that uh, one of the reasons they're getting so involved is because of the jolt that we've been given through this war? Oh, for sure. They're feeling I, it. I, I was just on, on a call with a person from Gibraltar. Really? It was going to be the head of the Gibraltar. And uh, she was saying how people just want to do something. They feel not helpless, but they feel like they, they could do more. They, they're saying donations are great and their feel is great, but how can, we, how can we take what we're doing and add to And add is to the, the answer world? usually a community-wide event where you're inviting people of all different backgrounds? Is that generally the answer to that question? Yeah, that's the answer we're giving right. for community-wide events. In certain areas, it's a little easier than others. Some right. place like Gibraltar is relatively small. Although they have a nice Jewish community there. It's 
And it sounds like an awesome yeah, Jewish community. Hundred percent. I learned a lot about it, a lot about it today. Right, you, you found that where it is on the map, also, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like near Italy or something, or near well, Spain. I, no right idea. Right where it off was. the coast of one of them, I know. Exactly. Yeah. I think Spain. <laughs> They're right, Spain. There you go. So, Micah Pickett, do you have an official title? Are you international chairman of Achenu? I've never been given that title, but I'll take it. I may, I may just give it to you right now. Thank you so much. And I'm sure the people in New Jersey are very proud. I hope so. Are they aware of what you're doing? I think my parents are. <laughs> they are aware? They're following? <laughs> At least my parents know. <laughs> Achenu.world, right? Achenu.world. That's a pretty good website address, it's, it's by the way. It's a pretty cool name. Yeah. Achenu.world. Everyone should sign up. And no cost, right? Just sign up for it, right? Yeah. Simple just sign enough. up and see how you can give. Right now, we're running a worldwide team in Schnauz. Right, which is in a few weeks. In a couple of weeks. Right. And that's a big thing for we're global. Right. Every single different areas of the world are given given a slot, and they're, gonna, they're asked to finish all of Mishnah. So that's right. one of the jobs I'm currently taking on, and communicating that with them. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty hey, awesome. Hey, Mike, uh, help me, unless you have to run. I don't know what your schedule is, but help me welcome uh, Rafael Hakim. Rafael Hakim is here. Where's Rafael? Let's give him a headset and sit him down. Uh, is it Rafael or Rafael or either? Either is good? Okay. So you're familiar with this gentleman? Of course. He's he, one of our he – lead, He leads one of your key places, you know. He's <laughs> one of our incredible – Representatives from Brazil. Rafael Hakim is from Brazil, and he's actually the person here at Yeshiva Dakota that leads the Achenu program for Brazilians back home in Brazil. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Nice to see you. So are you, I know this sounds like a silly question, but I'm just trying to get a perspective. You, you've been living in Brazil your entire life? Yeah. I and you left in... high school and came to Yeshiva Dakota? Actually, after high school, I started university. I did two years in the degree of economics. Then I made a pause. I said I wanted to learn Torah, so I went here. The university is on hold there, but uh, there might be a chance that I don't even go back. I was just going to say, I have a feeling that we're on that road where you're falling in love with Israel because especially in times of trouble, it's very easy to fall in love with Jerusalem and Israel. And uh, tell us a little bit about the Brazilian Jewish community. Is it significant? Is it large? Is it observant? Like, What can you tell us about the community? So there are 80,000 Jews in Brazil more or less, but uh, most of them are not religious. There are two main cities. São Paulo is the city with the largest number of Jews, and then there's Rio de Janeiro, that there is also a less community, like a smaller community. And in São Paulo, we have religious Jews. We have a lot of Masoratim Jews, which are the Sephardic Jews. We have a big Sephardic Syrian community, like in Brooklyn. So, you know, they are very bound by tradition, and they are very, like, they are very close within themselves. But uh, we still need to promote a larger union between Sao Paulo and Rio, between the religious community and the non-religious community, the left and the right. Which city are you from? I'm from Sao Paulo. And what has been the reaction in Brazil to this Achenu project? So we've been very excited because what we're hoping to do is to promote a larger union. Exactly. So we have the Sao Paulo community and the Rio community that barely speak to each other. And these are very two important cities that should be in larger contact. So when we send in basically every Brazilian group that there's a Sil Mishnayot coming up, we have people from all over Brazil signing up and wanting to team up. And unfortunately, this union started in times of war. But fortunately, we hope to continue this afterwards. uh, Everybody in Brazil is is, uh, hoping that it will basically promote a union that lasts forever. It's sad that the war has to show us this. But uh, and on the other side, we're glad that this is the start of something larger than us. If you're wondering who's coordinating the Brazilian part of the Achenu project, it's Rafael Hakim. What's it like for a fresh kid to come to Israel and meet a colleague from Brazil? That's an interesting part of this whole experience, right? 
it's it's pretty awesome yeah. and the amount of connections you're able to build specifically in yeshiva when you're in israel it's all the jews in the world you, you meet cool. one Jew, you know the whole world. It's pretty <laughs> incredible. That's why I've learned from uh, as a from colleague of mine always says, you can't lose when you play Jewish geography. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> and now you have somebody who might be in Jerusalem the rest of his life at this point, but he has a good connection to South America for you. It's pretty awesome. How do you like it's that? It's a good connection. Pretty cool. I want to thank both Micah Pickett, who has uh, been declared this morning on JM in the AM as the international ambassador and coordinator of Achenu, and Rafael Hakim, who's representing the country of Brazil in this very special unity project. Thank you both very, very much. Thank Great you. to have you. you here. Wow, amazing. You'll never know who you'll meet in Jerusalem. You'll never know who you might meet in Jerusalem. For instance, is it possible that I might meet a Canadian in Jerusalem? Is that possible that I might be asked to speak with someone from Canada, our neighbors to the north, home to many great National Hockey League teams, which I probably can't even name anymore. In the old days, I could tell you the two teams that were up there. Now I have no idea. It's our own Abrams, who is from what city in Canada? Toronto. You're from Toronto, Canada. Wow. Nice to nice to welcome you here. Are there a lot of Canadians in Yeshua Hotel or uh, not many, but they're definitely they're definitely a presence. Definitely a presence. And your community, and I say this seriously, it's not tongue in cheek at all, is a very relatively large and influential community. I mean Toronto we hear amazing things about on a regular basis. You're there your entire life, I assume? Yeah, my whole life. Family. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, Orchheim, oh, Orchheim. Orchheim. We know Orchheim from the yeah. Sarachek tournament, of course. <laughs> They're always visiting New York around the uh, around March time, and um, and I would imagine knowing Toronto the way I do that they have embraced this Achenu project. They always seem to go for this type of activity. What could you tell us about the project since you introduced it to people up there? Um, definitely, definitely, definitely. Like Toronto in general is a, a very much a community that. We hear an initiative, and we just want to very active, we right? Very active, very active on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really, right now, just going around and spreading around the word, and letting people know like what Achenu is, and that it is that that we're all we're all together, we're all Am Yisrael, trying to just keep this octus up. Now, so, have you had a role? And and either way is fine. I just want to know because we've heard from your colleagues earlier. Have you had a role in planning an event for them, or suggesting an event, or are they now running? with some idea that you've given to them in order to really galvanize the community up there? So particularly myself, I haven't necessarily done specific, like introducing an initiative, but I do know that like they, that Achenu is there and that now I think, I hope it's now starting to run. And Well, I'm and telling you, from what I know about Toronto, they're the perfect community to just love this and really um, spread the umbrella and welcome people from all backgrounds to participate in events. I wouldn't be shocked if some, I don't know, holiday concert or, you know, some type of get-together happens because of Achenu up there in Toronto. What has your uh, Yeshiva Dakota experience been like, and how how unusual is it that you're doing all this in October as opposed to the way you probably thought you'd be spending your October here? Yeah, I definitely, definitely uh, didn't expect this to come. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> definitely not, but like, it's okay, though. Like, it's, it's honestly a very valuable lesson in life to be able, you, you expect something. Like, there's a classic saying that like, man plans and God laughs. Sure. Right? And being able to like, see whatever comes our way and then navigate adjust and it. adjust and be adaptable. So definitely been very, very, this, this, this project and what's going on in the world has really been allowed us to work on that. 
on that is there ability. a strong uh, is there a strong Toronto presence in Israel in general? Do you have a lot of people who make Aliyah uh, as you were growing up? Were people moving to Israel? Um, yeah, Toronto in general is known to be a community that a lot of people make Aliyah. Like my my school, like Orchaim, is like through the Bnei Kiva window. Wow. Um, so definitely they they. They like when people make Aliyah. They push Aliyah. I would imagine so. Um, and then also, like, my middle, my elementary school also, and through the Benekio window. So, like, definitely, like, a lot of people, like, make Aliyah. Like, especially, like, Arochaim, like, there's a very high, high Aliyah rate. It's amazing when you... Uh when you go ahead and uh, and you become a school that uh, makes Israel a priority, guess what, folks? You end up having a lot of students and alumni who gravitate toward the Holy Land. Uh, I want to thank Aaron Abrams of Toronto, Canada, the Toronto coordinator of the Achenu Project. A pleasure meeting you today. Likewise. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And remember, Achenu.world, everybody, pretty easy website and actually a really good website, Toronto, Toronto, Achenu.world. Again, that's Achenu.world. Uh, and uh, you could sign up for Achenu right now. This initiative coming from Yeshiva Dakota, one of the responses in terms of uh, trying to unite the Jewish people after the start of this, um, what I'm going to call a horrific war. That's what it is. With the number of wounded, the number of abducted, the number of killed. It's a horrific war so far. Not that any war is not horrific. Yosef Spiegelman is with us. Is this Yosef Spiegelman is also from, where are you from? You're also from Toronto. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Um, Yosef, so we're, we're, being, we're being inundated with Canadians here during this visit to Yeshiva Dakota. What's going on with that? Yosef Spiegelman, lifetime Toronto? Lifetime? Uh, no, um, I made a Leo when I was a little kid, and I live in Rabbi Shemesh. So you're not from Toronto, you're from Israel. I said originally. Wow. Uh, originally, we're all from Israel. All right, so we got it straight, folks. Yosef Spiegelman is a native of Toronto, but he is now a resident, a proud citizen of the state of Israel, and one might think, do we need Achenu in Israel? And I bet your answer is a resounding yes. 100%. Um, I think and truly believe that Achenu, as, um, as it should be, is Achenu, an international, um, and I put the emphasis on you know, the Jewish people, regardless of location or belief. Um, Achenu is an international initiative. Uh, regardless of country. And how could Israel not be included? Exactly. What's um, this especially being what, the homeland. Of what's the this people. experience been like? I mean, if you're, if you're coordinating Israel, there's God knows how many neighborhoods and communities and cities you have to be in touch with. Baruch Hashem. Uh, we've got many, many cities, dozens, um, ranging all the way from the north down to the south. Um, religious cities, non-religious cities, people of all affiliations right. of Judaism. We've been hearing, hearing about so many events that are going on here in this country, specifically to unify people. I would guess Achen is part of the, uh, that whole process. I guess you've suggested events and have seen them uh, start to be coordinated because of the work of Achen. Yeah, so we're going to try and work. Um, you know, I truly believe that most um, development in society begins with the youth. Right. Um, and therefore, we're, trying to, we're, we're beginning to work with different youth groups, different youth organizations, um, to try and spread the word throughout different cities, different, throughout the country. Now, how old were you when you uh, moved to Israel? I was actually only eight months old. So oh, I, I you really were a baby. To I was a baby, yeah. Wow. And um, I would imagine that there are plenty of people, maybe even from your own family, you could tell us that, but there are plenty of people from your neighborhood who are now serving in the IDF. Yeah, plenty from my city, uh, from my community, even on Rosh Hashanah, on, uh, sorry, some Torah. 
Um, although I was in yeshiva, but my parents had told me, you know, the shul had emptied out practically. Have you been back in the last three weeks for Ramat Beit Shemesh? I was there one day after some Tor to pack my things for Zaman, and I was right back the next day. Wow. So you haven't even seen the, the likely uh, less of a population of a certain, uh, of a certain age group because we've been hearing about, you know, people go to shul, and it's obvious that a whole group of people are missing, and we know who those are. Those are the soldiers who've been called up and are now serving on the front lines. Uh, the website is pretty simple, pretty impressive also, the website, achenu.world. That's a, that's a good one. We're not going to stop lauding whoever came up with that one. Achenu.world. Uh, and Yosef Spiegelman encourages everybody, whether you're in Israel or anywhere else on this globe, to sign up and become part of this global effort. Thank you so much. A pleasure meeting you. Thank you for having me. Yosef Spiegelman of Ramat Beit Shemesh, originally from Toronto, Canada, and yet another representative of this Achenu effort. We have two more guests. Oh, well, we're going to speak to Aryeh coming up about the... Oh, they're both speaking about this. Okay, so we have two people here. If I have these... Uh, if my notes are as I think they are, perfectly written, Aryeh Levinson is with us from White Plains, New York. Holy cow. How's Rabbi Martyr doing up in White Plains, New York? Rabbi, uh, Mar Rabbi Martyr is well. Is he well? Has he been in touch with you at all? I have people sending him information, actually, about Achenu also. Seriously? Yes. Oh, he'd be very into this. I'm sure he would. Please send him my regards, by the way. Of course. I know him since we were in high school together. Arye Levinson hails from White Plains. Your whole life in White Plains? Uh, since I was three. Where'd you, go to, where'd you go to high school? Frisch. Nice. Oh, Frisch, well represented in Akoto. What's with the, what's with the uh, percentages from Frisch? We can't do anything for the other schools in Bergen County to get some Akoto slots? I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> I'll have to speak to Rabbi Tarragon about that <laughs> when we're not unified. <laughs> so that's all right. Rabbi Tarragon, I mean, everybody I meet seems to be coming from Frisch. We can't open up slots for other Bergen County schools here in Akoto? Come on. Just a joke, of course, Rabbi Tarragon. Akiva's from DRS. Uh, we'll get to Akiva in a second. We just met Ari Levin, so I'm going through his history. Give me, give me a chance here, Rabbi Tarragon. Give me a chance. So White Plains, and, but you were not born there, you said. Where were you born? I was born in the city, Upper West Side. Interesting. So Upper West Side to White Plains and then to Jerusalem. Yes. By way of Frisch, which doesn't seem to be getting enough publicity this morning here on JMD. And uh, in addition to Aryeh Levinson, Akiva Aryeh is here, related to some of the Aryehs. Yeah, you must be because you look exactly like the Aryehs, <laughs> so of course. So do you have for the Ahmed at all? Not yet. My dad and my brother. No, I would imagine. Yeah. for the Ahmed. Yeah, your last name is Aryeh. You're diving for the Ahmed at some point. <laughs> hey, last name is Siegel. You're a Gabai at some point. Last name is Aryeh. You're a Chazid at some point. Akiva Aryeh is here from Woodmere, New York. Is that a significant Jewish community, Woodmere? Do they have, they have members of the faith there? A lot of members they of do? Jews, Jews really? in there. So, no one tells me anything about what's going on outside of my <laughs> little circle. Anyway, gentlemen, you know, because I'm sure you're both uh, longtime listeners of JM and the AM, and you're likely... Uh, spending a good amount of time schmoozing with uh, Gavri Siegel. So you know that you're now speaking to a radio host who's very sensitive about the topic of leaving Jerusalem unscheduled. Right? Like, I'm leaving tonight, but frankly, scheduled. And I'm a phony anyway because I don't live here. So, you know, that's a, that's a whole other topic. But I do use this, uh, this forum sometimes to encourage people that when they're in Israel, when their children are here, it might be a good idea, no matter what the circumstances, let them stick around. A life experience worth considering. And again, even though nobody, no one believes me, it really is not a judgment of other parents out there. It's just really trying to encourage them to think about it before they make a decision the other way. So you guys, according to my notes, are coordinators of this not going anywhere campaign. 
it's obvious that the three of us seem to think alike. Am I right? <laughs> it appears that way. What happened? The war breaks out. Did you have any type of debate with yourself about where you need to be right now? Happens to be, Baruch Hashem, I did not have any debate. A lot of my friends did. A lot of other people did. I knew this was the place I needed to be, and I stayed. And in general, I mean, this yeshiva is, you know, has a pretty good track record when it comes to people sticking around here. They're, they're very big on Israel here, yeah. Well, not, <laughs> right, agreed. But not just that. They obviously have attracted a student body where 96% of them decided to stick around during the war, yeah. which is commendable. Uh, Akiva, what about you? Any debate with yourself in the aftermath of the start of this war? So it's kind of funny. This is my fifth year in Hakoto, so I actually went through. This is your fifth year in Hakoto? Fifth year, yeah. Five in a row? Five in a row. What does that mean for an American, by the way? You're not an Ole, right? No, I've not made out. So Aliyah. what does that mean? You're now, I don't know, delaying, delaying school? You'll be here forever? Like, what's the... Uh, Started school online a little bit. Um, currently in Azareli, YU wow. master's program. But. So, so you are literally the same age and colleagues with half the yeshiva that went to the army. Yes, a lot of my friends are on the front lines. Uh, brother-in-law. It's, it's definitely a lot, but... It's really amazing to see them go out and just like really just fight as best they can. But being here gives a little sense of achrayas of really trying to hold the fort here in Yeshiva. Um, the thing I was saying was that I was here for COVID also, and it was kind of a similar dilemma. Should we stay? Should we go home? Well, that was a little different. That was, that was a, you know, how am I spending my time issue and, you know, not a safety issue, right? That was a little bit different. Yeah, but right. it, it was a lot of the similar talks of right. are my parents booking me a flight home to go home or am I staying or not? A lot of similar <laughs> conversations. Don't take this the wrong way, but how does a Shana Hay guy get onto a not going anywhere committee? Haven't you, haven't you demonstrated for the last four years that you, that you ain't going anywhere? <laughs> like, I don't know if you belong here as much as Arye does. Well, my family still <laughs> is back in America, so it definitely is right. still uh, a little bit of a consideration. I mean, do they call with concern, or, or they know you're all right? Thank God they know I'm all right. Right, that's what I figured. So now, has all this, and either of you could take this question, has all this led to... Other yeshivas or students around Israel, I don't know, being spoken to or being inspired by your, you know, rah, rah, let's not go anywhere. Like, what's happened practically? So, Baruch Hashem on our WhatsApp chat, um, it was actually just filled up a few days ago, so we now have two. We have 30, around 30 programs in Israel, yeshiva seminaries, other gap year programs that have representatives that send pictures of their, their programs um, thriving still, even though many people have left, still, still pushing forward. Um, and so we're trying to get everyone involved. We're trying to make sure everyone sees that everyone else is still here. There are obviously people that left. We, right. want, to, we want to keep the people. And you want to hold on to everybody, right? Exactly. Wow, very cool. And, and there are plenty, we should point this out, there are plenty of both men's and women's institutions that are thriving right now. Right? Some obviously have lost a good number of students, but there are plenty that are really strong, and you probably interact with students from all of them in these WhatsApp groups constantly, right? Yeah, and on top of the, the WhatsApp group, we also created a, an additional program where... Every day we have a guest speaker come on Zoom to speak to the students, both from Yeshiva and Seminary, um, from America, actually. Most of the speakers are from America. At 6.45 every night, there's a speaker. Um, tries to give a little chizik to the people that have stayed, because uh, it's obviously definitely not an easy thing to do. So we have speakers that come. and Easy to find a good number of American speakers to, to convey this message? They all feel strongly about it. If, if, you might be surprised, but they feel strongly about people trying to try Well, to I'm not surprised. I'm very happy about it, actually, because that's, uh, you know... That's what it's all about. I mean, and it, you know, we're, we're trying to... Someone said to me last night, a really responsible uh, leader, and you may have heard this already on some, of the, uh, on some of the inspiring talks that you're hearing. They said, if one decides to go back to the United States, no one's criticizing them. And the parents and the students have to make a decision that's best for them. 
But this person said, at some point, go back. At some point, try to encourage your children so when they feel comfortable and you feel comfortable, you know, we don't know what's going to be happening over the next couple of months, but there'll be a point where, please God, people can feel comfortable here again completely. Um, and, and make sure to go back. Keep it on the agenda, so to speak. And I thought that was a really important message. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's, again, a lot of what some of the speakers have been talking about. Right. That even if you do decide to go back and you think it's the best for you, definitely have in mind to try to try to make it back as quick as possible. All right, parents, if you have a, uh, a young lady or a young gentleman in Israel who are here, let them join the Not Going Anywhere campaign. How do they get in touch with the WhatsApp group? Like, is there a way for them to easily join? They should have a representative at their, their school. At their school already. Yeah, so they could reach out to the representative and join, and uh, that shouldn't be too hard to find. And also, 6.45 every night, Israel time. We have a speaker tonight. We have Shai Shechter tomorrow, Mirza Shemer, Moshe Weinberger. A lot of exciting things going on in the Zoom. So if you join the chat, you'll be able to join the Zoom, listen to the shirim, get a little chazik. It's definitely an amazing program. That's Amazing. Around. A pleasure meeting both of you. Aryeh Levinson, thank you. And Akiva Aryeh, thank you. I think you've undertaken a great initiative entitled Not Going Anywhere. JM and the AM, uh, drop late for Rabbi Goldwasser. Uh, his words, Lezekha Nishmas, Esther Basri, Yosef Levi, and Lezekha Nishmas, Harav Zebin, Rav Levi, and Lezekh Nishmas, Esther Basri, Rav Levi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in Medrash Rabbah, Yaakov Avinu, he seek koach sefer tehilim. Yaakov Avinu was able to be rewarded and grasp the sefer tehilim. Mahoya Omer Yaakov, what did Yaakov say? Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel Omer, Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel said, Kol Sefer Tehilim Hoya Omer. He said the entire book of Tehilim. Shiesh Bechulo Koach Yitzchaskus. That has in the Tehilim the power to strengthen, to encourage. V'tfila Lidoros Hagalus. And the prayer for all the generations in the exile. Yaakov Avinu knew it through Nevuah, through prophecy. It was not revealed until David HaMelech came into this world. With the Sefer Tehillim, Klau Yisrael will endure over all the generations and be saved from all their times of challenge. There are 150 kapitlach, chapters of Tehillim. The gematria of Pidyon, of redemption, of being redeemed from all tzoros, from all times of challenge, is 150. Rabbeinu Ephraim writes that one who wants to have a connection with Hashem should say Tehillim. Rabbi Chaim Falaji writes, the world stands on Tehillim and that one can redeem himself from any damage. Redemption comes from saying Tehillim. It is an inspiration at this time that one of those who lead the Klal, Nachum Siegel, has gone to Eretz Yisrael and is broadcasting for these days from the holy city of Yerushalayim. It is an inspiration to everyone. It is certainly a time for all of us to unite, to say Tehillim, to pray, to pour out our hearts to Hashem. I have been so inspired by Nachum's mission that I myself am ready to go on a moment's notice to encourage and to lend whatever strength I can give to Achenu Kobes Yisrael. It was a time when the Germans were bombarding the great city of Tells. The Rosh Hashiva 
Rabbi Avram Yitzchak Blach pleaded with those around him that they should say to Hilim, Tzadi Aleph, 91, Yoshe Beseser, 10 times. They should concentrate on each and every word, and Hashem would save them. In the schus of the millions of Kapitlach of Tehillim in all the Tfilas worldwide, may we hear of the imminent return of all the hostages safe and sound, and all of the Chayalim, all the soldiers in good health to return to their homes. Yehi Shalom Bechelech, Shalbar Barman May there be peace in the entire land. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Besuros tovos Yeshuas v'nechamos. JM and the AM, I am told that we're going to be joined by Israeli soldiers who are just back, literally just back from the front lines up north, uh, coming up in a few minutes here at JM and the AM, which is unbelievable. Um, Shane Safran, who uh, claims to be a friend of Yoshua Siegel is sitting to my left, and he says that the boys who are going to be joining me in a few minutes from the north are actual colleagues of his. These are guys you went to Yeshiva with here at Yeshiva Dakota, and then watch them go up in the reserves to fight for our, for our people. Right, so we were actually all in the Army together. We drafted in March 2018 to Hunter Combat Engineering, wow. and... The way it works now in Israel, lone soldiers don't do reserve duty by default, and you have to opt in. So five of them opted in, mostly Simchas Torah, and they went up north to Lebanon, and we've been down here securing the fort in Yeshiva. And some of them are going to join me coming up. Three of them, yeah, Mr. Shem. They literally were up north today. Yeah, they just got off for 20. Right now, the army's letting people off for 24-hour shifts, so they're off for their 24 hours. I wonder if that gives us an indication of when things are really going to start since they're on these 24-hour shifts, because we don't stop getting, as you know, we're somewhat connected, and we don't stop getting reports about when this ground <coughs> offensive is scheduled to start. And I know, I know that, you know, you have no idea who's actually correct and who's not, but things are heating up. Let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. And you claim to be a friend of Yoshua Siegel, <laughs> which I find to be uh, fascinating. You remember the days when he was... Dominating the base medrash activity yeah, here at Yeshiva. Definitely Kata. dominating the base medrash. And medrash. now you get to spend time with Gavri Seagal. What's that all about? <laughs> Fantastic. Is it, uh, of all the experiences you've had at Yeshiva, <laughs> that's near the top, huh? It's number one. Uh, you're also involved in securing vests, not only for your colleagues, but other Israeli soldiers as well, which we'll discuss in a moment. You're joined by Yishai Feinmesser, who's from London, England. Boy, we were, I'm being serious now for a second. I know you worry about what's happening in New York, and you probably hear about the college campuses around the United States, but England has always been very passionate when it comes to Jew hatred. Agreed? Yes, very much you grew so. Up, you grew up in London? I did grow up in London, yeah. Where, where the Middle Eastern presence is generally not Jewish and Israeli, right? I, you can walk in London for 10 minutes and not see what looks like an English face, You correct? can. You know where I lived exactly, not my street. But what neighborhood is that? Uh, I lived in Edgware. Yeah, it's the Flatbush of England. We do, we do this all the time. <laughs> Golders Green is Borough Park, Edgeware is Flatbush. We do this all the time. So, um, but I do worry about that. Does your family tell you about, you know, what's happening up there? And so thank, thankfully, a lot of my family actually live here now. Wow. Uh, a few years ago, my parents and my in siblings what city? moved here. They're in Yerushalayim here they live. Wow. 
I've got grandparents here also in Natanya, but um, yeah, I've got a brother who's in university currently in Cambridge, and uh, they're experiencing all sorts of... Yeah. Plus, regular on-the-street Jew hatred demonstrates itself constantly there, it seems. Unless, again, we're not there, so it just seems that way to us. But Yeah, it's definitely one of those things when you're there, you don't, right. you don't quite feel as much as, as they report it, but it's, it's definitely there. I hear that. What about Montreal? Are they having uh, episodes up there or not? Not that I know of. No? Family still there? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's start with Yishai, because he's uh, helping coordinate this general effort of helping soldiers. Look, you guys saw... You saw people leave this yeshiva and literally go to the front at a moment's notice. How could you not be helping them? How could you not be sympathetic to those, not just the yeshiva students from here, but everybody who's now serving in the Israeli army? What type of uh, activities and initiatives have you undertaken, aside from the vest, which we'll talk about, uh, to help the Israeli soldiers? Right, so uh, immediately everyone sort of on Simchas Torah was a bit hectic. Everyone grabbed their stuff and ran. So right. straight after Simchas Torah, we, we sort of coordinated, worked together to, to get a list of everyone that had gone, everyone from Hakotel and from, and that was in Hakotel alumni, but Grimm, uh, to get a list of the people that had gone up, to, to get their contact information, get, get everything. Current and alumni, I assume. Yes, correct, current and alumni. Which is we, a lot in a place like we this. We have alumni from over 20 years. Wow. Right, so we have a list of about 70, 80 Current soldiers that were trying to trying to help. Um, so we got their their he he wanted me to say that we we got their Hebrew names as well, so we right. could, people could we can match right. up. Those lists are being distributed, which is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we we got a list of of all those chayalim, uh, and then we the first thing that we did was um, we basically got got all that contact information, reached out, and said like, well, what what did you not manage to get? What can we get for you? And then oh, that, so this is not going to the supermarket and assuming they need. You literally have as a best list we can. of what they actually need. As best we can. We're also right. sending stuff that I we get assume it, they I'm need. I get it, I'm saying you're really, yeah, so you know what they really need up there. A lot, yeah, the, uh, a wide range of things. And then right. the last two weeks has been trying to get it out there, sending things up south, down, up north, down south constantly. Um, other things we're working on, we got all the Hebrew names. We tried, We got uh, everyone in the, every Talmud in Yeshiva to pair up. Right. So to speak, with a soldier, take, keep in touch with and them. Didn't you leave certain seats empty in the yeshiva? Uh, yes. So they they printed out the, the current the, students, right? Yeah, the names of, of current students and put them in their makom in, in the base medrash. That's pretty amazing. Waiting for them to come back. Yeah. Oh, it's still like that. Yeah, uh, it is still like that. Yeah. Right now. Oh, gosh, I'll tell you. Um, all right. So now let's talk. So that's obviously a very big effort, and I assume the hardest part is to find someone to drive this stuff to where it needs to get to, right? Uh, funnily enough, that's that's proved to be one of the easiest things. Well, uh, at God. the beginning, that was our concern. You know, it was right. the beginning. It was how you know everyone's terrified to leave their homes. How are we going to get stuff right. all the way to the northern southern borders? But Baruch Hashem, there's there's endless people offering and people reaching out saying, if you need someone up north, you need someone down south. We we know some people up north able to do so. So it's, it's proved actually that part of it easier than, than we would have. Is imagined. it likely that these boys that we're going to meet are going to bring stuff back to their bases? Yeah, we have packages for them waiting in the base measures. Yeah, so that that's helped now. People are getting off, so we can give right. them stuff to take to them and to their other soldiers up there as well. They can't even stay for Shabbos, huh? That's the, but that's the reality, right? Yeah. They're, they're going back before twenty four hours, and yeah. Uh, all right, Yishai Feinmesser is here. Now Shane Safran with us, and uh, let's talk about the vest. It's one of the first things we were told in terms of serious stuff that people need here, right? There's obviously a list of a lot of different things, and I know the barbecues are very important. I'm not minimizing. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. I'm not minimizing those at all. I think they're important for morale and important to feed soldiers who are you know, on the front. But uh, when we heard about the vest campaign, my gosh, when they're not being protected properly, you just want to jump into action to get them... As, to get as many vested soldiers as possible. So tell me about all this. How has this been coordinated? Obviously, Rav Ramon has had a big role in this. How many vests have we been able to get out there? What's happening now? 
So as Isha said, we reached out to all the soldiers and asked them exactly what they need. And anyone who told us they need a vest, they need a helmet, they need any tactical equipment, that was the first thing we put on our list. We were able to, with the thanks uh, and the help of Rav Rimon and Andrew Tarragon, to coordinate an effort to get, we received as a yeshiva 24 vests, ceramic bulletproof vests. We immediately sent five out to the southern border on Gaza itself, gave it to soldiers there who didn't have who need. And then we started coordinating, getting it to soldiers across the country. We sent five vests up north. We sent five vests down south near Hebron. And we sent five vests in the Efrat Gush area where people were called in from Ilium and didn't have the right equipment. It's really just been about figuring But we were out. told that Rav Ramon is not ordering these vests in the hundreds, that they're you know, just trying to make them as fast as they can. I was told that the shipment we got was 500. Right. I'm aware there's another shipment that came in, I think, at the beginning of this week another couple hundred, and it's really just getting it out to the soldiers. I think the biggest thing was, and no one saw this coming, that they sent out a call for reservists and it was 140% turnout. Right. They were anticipating 60 to 80. Yeah. When you have such a high turnout, Baruch Hashem, 140%, the army just didn't have the equipment for so many soldiers. And these vests are very protective, thank God, right? These are really state-of-the-art. These state are cer- the ceramic, right. full protection, front and back vests. The army, everything is to the army standard, right? To their specifications. Um, is it all about money now? Is it all, because we're obviously, especially since the campaign has been named for the Parrots family, uh, with what they're going through, we've been promoting it as much as possible. Is it all just about money now? Where the more money there is, the more vests are going to be distributed to these soldiers. I think so. I, admit, I think at this point, a lot of the vests have come in. But I think it's still about just raising the funds and getting the vest that we can get to get to the soldiers that need. There are definitely still soldiers that need. We actually got a text this morning, four more soldiers, Hakoto alumni, who are looking for vests. Our stockpile here is diminished, so we're waiting to get more shipments. And it's really just about getting as much, as much money to the vest as possible so we can get as many vests as possible to put them on our soldiers. The best part of this conversation is that you have definitive information in terms of what they need. That's the best part of this. You know exactly what it is. Do you know what's in the packages? What's being sent that, that, uh, in terms of what they, are, they actually need? <coughs> Shane, you could also Shane, speak. you could speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whispered in my ear. You could speak. <laughs> we had, um, so one of the, really what you had said, the biggest thing is, is really figuring out what the soldiers right. need. We had one soldier, a good friend of ours, texted us. We said, what can we get you? We have someone coming. What do you need? And he said, really, we have everything you can ask for on the base, but there is absolutely no milk in the country, and we don't have milk. Wow. And everyone wants milk. So we sent with the driver two cartons of milk and the pictures and videos of the soldiers. <laughs> and the, the, the big, that's the biggest thing is to figure out exactly. Yeah. It doesn't help to throw things at them if it's not what they need. So we know what they need. They need milk and they need vests. At the moment. Vests and helmets. At the moment, those are the two of the <laughs> many things on their list that they need. Uh, well, call a vote to both of you, Shane Safran and Yishai Feinmesser. And uh, continue. look. Uh, I want everyone out there to help with the vest campaign. It's Mizrahi.org slash Tsevet Perez. Mizrahi.org slash Tsevet, T-Z-E-V-E-T-P-E-R-E-Z. And it's obviously named for Daniel Perez and his crew that's still missing since the first day of the war. We all know this. Uh, give as generously as you can and help them just distribute vests, uh, life-saving vests to soldiers in need. And uh, in general, those of you who want to uh, help soldiers take on initiatives like this, and support the work uh, that Yishai, Shane, and so many of their colleagues are doing at this point. I thank both of you very, very much. Kalakavod, as they say. And thanks for joining us today. Uh, Students. Uh, Students. Madrichim. Members of Yeshiva Dakotel who are doing as much as they can during these very difficult times. 
We'll be joined by members of the IDF. I, we might want to try to p- plug that in. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to risk it either. Oh, okay. So we're going to have that later on. So if Tarry will be before, we should, maybe we should get Ralph on in, uh, before as well. Uh, Yigal and I love producing shows on the air. Uh, okay, uh, Judah Froelich is here. Is that the right pronunciation, sir? Exactly correct. Wow. How did I get that correct? Uh, Judah is uh, coordinating. <laughs> he, he is from Florida, but it says here you're coordinating all the countries for the Achenu event. Now, based on what we've heard, that means there are 60 different places around the world that's under your jurisdiction. There are many, many different places all across the world, in uh, Africa as well as Europe, North America, South America, Central America. We're trying to get every, every Jewish community everywhere. Nachum, you'd be shocked to hear that there's an Achenu project where? Fill in the blank. Where would I be shocked to hear? Besides Gibraltar, which we heard about earlier. Where uh, would I be? Which, which African country has an Achenu chapter right now? Um, Zimbabwe and Tanzania. They both have. They, but we have a picture on our Instagram, achenu.world, achenu underscore world, uh, with pictures from Jews from Tanzania wearing the achenu merch, the swag. Unbelievable. By the way, that's important. We've been announcing all morning achenu.world. Is it actually underscore world? Like, so for the website, it's achenu.world, uh, okay. and for the Instagram, it's achenu underscore world. All right. So anybody, and you want to see those photos from around the world, obviously. Yep, definitely see them. And send, have send have them people to been us. posting? Uh, we've been posting a few few pictures. We also have a few videos and letters from Big Rabbanim, like Rav Schechter. Uh, yesterday, we got a video from Rav Nevensal, so we're editing that, a few some others. And we have a letter from the chief rabbi of Israel, Rabbi David Lau. All right, we saw support. that letter. It's pretty remarkable, frankly. A lot of great support. A lot of people very excited about this. Is every student here involved in this in some way? All right, so uh, not every student, um, but... Wherever Terrigan wants to involve as many people as possible. Uh, so anyone who wants to, anyone who wants to be involved, reach out to someone who's, who's uh, heading something or of Terrigan. And during the breaks and after Night Sitter, everyone's more than, more than welcome. And we want people to come help us. We need yeah, some more help. I would imagine so. Uh, and uh, again, if you haven't signed up, folks, Zachenu. Dot world, a great website, <laughs> certainly a great web address, and you're encouraged to do so. So you're originally from Florida. What high school did you go to? I went to Katsushiva High School. And have they been uh, promoting uh, uh, Zionism, Israel, uh, uh, Jewish unity surrounded, or I should say centered in the city of Jerusalem? Is that the type of high school you went to? Definitely the type of school I went to. We had actually... Uh, two years ago, we had one of the senior educational directors of Stand With Us come to our school and speak to us. Uh, her name is Charlotte Korchak. Actually, her nephew goes to our school. And um, we also had, they had a trip in for the 10th graders two years ago and the year before that uh, to go to Israel since they missed the opportunity in eighth grade because that's a senior trip in the, in the middle school. Um, but we're very, into, we're very into Israel, very into Zionistic. We go to Marlins Park whenever they have the event <laughs> and we have dozens of Jewish Israel schools. Israel night? It's incredible. So you just move. graduated last year? I did, yes. And then you have to decide where you're going. Yeah. And somehow Yeshiva Kotel got to the top of the list. So my brother, Shana Gimel here. Wow. Max. Um, but because of that, that I did not want to come here. Um, initially, uh, but then I came to, I was lucky enough to come visit, to come visit the yeshivas, uh, visited here, Shalvim, uh, a few other places, and as soon as I came to a hotel, it was incredible. People picked their heads up, they asked me who I am, they didn't even know my brother was here. They immediately were very friendly, and I saw like the, the atmosphere is exactly what I wanted in yeshiva. What do you think of the empty old city? It's surreal, being in an empty old city from three weeks ago, when everyone was trying to be all irregular during Sukkot, there were thousands upon, it took us 45 minutes to go from here 
outside the gates of Shariafo. Um, and now it'll take us 10 minutes, not yeah. even. It's incredible. It's a different experience. We had it today and we had it last night. And uh, it is uh, something we pine for the days, believe it or not, as much complaining as we did about how busy it was, we are pining for those days again oh, yeah. when the old city is packed. And uh, I, I, I get that the tourism is going to take quite a hit uh, to Israel, but those of you who are planning, a lot of Florida places plan missions to Israel constantly. I have a feeling they'll be doing it now as well. Uh, I believe Chiz- they will do that. Chizuk missions. And Judah Froelich, he uh, asks everybody to join at um, at world and to become part of this worldwide effort. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate all your efforts, to say the least. JM and AM, as we continue, we're in hour number two, and we will be speaking with soldiers from the IDF coming up. We're going to be visiting us here at Yeshiva.Kotal. Mikey Nadrich, is that the right pronunciation? Yeah. Mikey Nadrich is here. Uh, he is from Teaneck, New Jersey. Still have a big Jewish community over there? Yeah. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> Mikey just came back. Um, what does it mean, just came back last week? From your work? It means you just came back last week? You just came back to Yeshiva.Kotal. Oh, oh just, just came back to the army. An IDF soldier. Kolakavod Latzahal. When did you join? I, I came back from Eloim last week. And yeah, but when did you originally join? Uh, March 2022. March 2021. And this reserve duty that you're now back from started on Shemini Atzeris. Right after, day after, yeah. And um, based on the notes I have in front of me, it's obvious you were down south. No, actually, you were near Ramla. It was where they... So that's more like... In the center. In the center. Yeah. But one of your tasks, based on what we were told, was literally dealing with those who had been murdered by the enemy. Yeah, so there's the people that collect them, and then right. there's the people that identify who it is. That was so what was your role? I to identify? moved the people from the people that collect them to the people that identify them. So that's like a, aside, aside from it being a life-changing experience, I'm sure, yeah. uh, you're dealing with the, the holiest and most important work, yet it must be very hard to adjust to. It was definitely, the first two, three days, it was very, very difficult. But like, I think it's like sad to say almost that we got kind of right. got, me and like everyone that was there, we kind of got used to it. You get used to the activity. And it became like something that was a little bit less meaningful. Right. But, yeah. So what could you tell us, because remember, we're speaking now to an audience that is not on the spot, right, is not here in Israel at the moment and may not realize the enormity of this tragedy. What could you tell us about the numbers? And I'm not asking for specific numbers. Just in your role, it's obvious that at some point it was overwhelming how many people you're bringing to this center for identification and the types of things they had suffered from. I mean, what could you tell us about this horrific tragedy? So it was definitely, so I've never been to the place before. But they told us before we got in that they're used to having one or two people there. Right. And we walked in, you see a place just full of like stretchers, full of, and you really have no clue what's left and what's right, what's going on, what you're supposed to do. Till they, they, they caught they killed us all together and like gave us, like there was a, couple, a lot of psychologists there and everything. And they kind of told us like exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And once you're ready, when the, in the, and they gave us like a really, really one of the best speeches I've ever heard by Rav that was there and stay wrote about what we were doing. And it kind of changed like the whole mindset. Like we got there and we were all in shock. Like we couldn't believe. I assu- when we got there, we probably saw 100 to 200 bodies in one place. Wow. And we were like- we were That's overwhelming. Yeah. We were all in the complete shock. Really in no clue like what to do, even like how to respond to it. 
till that Rav basically came and spoke to us and kind of gave us direction, focus on one thing at a time, and that was basically what we did from there on the rest of the week. Well, I mean, it's obvious to us that you're, you were involved in one of the most important tasks, sad to say. Uh, and again, just the numbers that you described tells us about the enormity of what type of tragedy the Jewish people have suffered through this horrific massacre. Did they limit the amount of time you could spend each day doing this? Like, were they recommending so you take breaks? At the beginning, it was basically all one... Hectic. Very hectic. No one knew what was going on. By the third day, they kind of caught on, and it was eight hours on, 16 hours off. Right. They encouraged you to take, they, yeah. to and take then time for yourself. Every time you finish a shift, you had to speak to a psychologist. Before a shift, you had to speak to a psychologist then. And it became, became very like, well-organized and very well-run. So where'd you go to high school? I went to Fresh. So, how do I put this? Uh, you make a commitment to go to the Israeli army, and you have certain expectations. And, of course, we're at a relative. Obviously, nobody's always safe in this neighborhood of the world. But we have a relative stretch of peace, you know, of quiet. Let's put it that way. Peace may be the wrong word. And then, you know, I, I don't know if you as a soldier ever said this to yourself, but when this war breaks out, it's sort of like, you know, you never thought, not that you wouldn't have signed up for this, but you never thought you'd be signing up for this, right? You never thought mm -hmm. that you and your colleagues sure. would be involved in, in, in things like this. And then, of course, you're given this responsibility. It must be, you know, I, I'm jokingly, yesterday when we did our show with uh, Uri Pilichowski, I said to him, you know, how does a Frisch kid become this, you know, defender of a city in, in Israel? Because he posted how he's ready for the enemy to approach and, and beware, you know, we're going to take care of you. Uh, you know, some of us are are wondering how a, an American high school kid adjusts to these types of, of activities, these types of tasks. Um, I think the Army just does a good job of training you. They take normal people that are also, most people that are going to the Army don't live in the first line between right. the enemy and us. They live in the middle of the country. Generally, it's safe. Generally, nothing's going on. The Army kind of trains you to the mindset to where you're ready at any time. Something. And you would say that during basic training as well, not just during wartime. Yeah, during basic training, we, base, we were woken up at least twice a night during basic training just in case the enemy was coming. Right. It's just the, they train you to the mindset. So the, a lot of people in the Army have the mindset that they're ready. And not that you thought something like this would ever happen. Like I remember a lot of my friends were spent a lot of time on the Gaza border. They were, all, they were with me there. They are all in shock that something like this could happen. No one really thought it could happen. Um, I said it before. to you. And what a pleasure to meet you, Mikey. I wish I'd been under different circumstances. And uh, we pray for you. You know that. We pray for you and your colleagues and uh, always have in mind those who are defending the state of Israel. Tadaraba. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Mikey Nadrich, who's from Teaneck, but had this enormous task of dealing with hundreds of people who were murdered by the enemy. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored Digital radio, around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Ha'omdim 
עליהם. ויוציאנו מצרה לרווחה. ומאפלה לאורה. ומשיעבוד לגאולה, השתא בעגלה ובזמן קריב. As I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, if you're going to play Achenu, you may as well play it from the, from the artist that, in my opinion, and we know this from the Jewish Unity Initiative we did, we did in France, in my opinion, the, uh, the, the artist who likely appeals to more people right to left than anybody else. I know we have some amazing singers in the Jewish, Jewish music world, but if you're looking for somebody who people from all backgrounds of Judaism know... Yohoram Gaon is the man, and I've said that for years, and I still maintain that I'm right. J.M. and the A.M. on a uh, Wednesday morning, we are at Yeshiva Dakota. Uh, both the Yeshiva and Rabbi Ruvain Tarragon are hosting us, 
in this uh, in this um, Jewish Unity Initiative. With a big thank you to B and Ralph Rosenbaum, of course, our sponsors. All right, Tarragon is back. We we've spent a lot of time on Achenu today. You should know a lot of time on it. Uh, with students from all backgrounds and all geographic locations. We had some fun, actually, with the Frisch students and those who come from places like Montreal and Brazil and other parts of the world. And it seems that they are utilizing their downtime. I'm assuming for a moment that that exists here at the yeshiva. Uh, They're utilizing their downtime in between study sessions very, very well. And you must be very proud of that. It's an interesting thing you mentioned, Nachum. Because obviously, on the one hand, these things are important for Klal Yisrael. On the other hand, the first responsibility of the students here is to their own growth. Right. And I think it's been a beautiful way of them growing into their place as leaders by using this time now, not for the selfish kind of things they would do in the past, hang out with friends, but really taking responsibility for the Jewish world. There's no better way to train a leader than put him in a situation where he leads, where he needs to lead. And I feel that the experience the kids are having here is not going to be less good than the ones they had in past years. It's going to be more powerful because they felt how they could make a difference. And I can affirm for you that some of the current students agree with you. Yeah. No One of them is Gavri Siegel. 100%. We should get Gavri here if you see him. We should sit him down with Rabbi Tarragon because I want to talk about the Seum and both he and Rabbi Tarragon have plenty to say about the upcoming Seum. This is going to take place in a major event that's obviously going to be based here in Yerushalayim. You mentioned before that Yerushalayim is the city that unites. It is the city of brotherhood. It is the city that, we can, that has this unbelievable power uh, to bring us all together, no matter what our background is, no matter where on this planet we might be. It's no coincidence that you're literally in the center of the Jewish universe here in the old city of Jerusalem. It's not, it, that, that is not lost on you, the fact that it's all emanating from here. Maybe I'll speak briefly about sure. that theme, Nachum, because it's such an important one. Rav Tzvi Moshe Tzvi pointed out that in 1948, the Jews lost Yerushalayim, the old city, because each military wing attacked separately, literally attacked separately. They couldn't attack and fight as one army, and that's why they lost. The Haganah attacked this gate, and the Irgun attacked that gate. They couldn't work with each other. 1967, the Jews were unified because they were threatened, like today. They came together, and that's when we take Yerushalayim. Jews can't enter Yerushalayim unless they're Churbala Yachtov. And you know the famous picture of the three soldiers at the Kotel? Right. One is Ashkenazic. We met 50 years later because of you and people at Mizrahi. Right. Yeah. One is Ashkenazic, one is Sephardic, one is Yemenite. <laughs> and it's not coincidental. And most of us daven in our shul with our friends who are similar to us. The only time we daven with Kali Yisrael is at the Kotel. We all know what that feeling is. When we go to the hotel, and you look at the guy on the left, and he's wearing a paper kippah, and you look at the guy on the right, they're and all welcome in the minion. And they're all there. And, and that's, that's not coincidental. That's what Yerushalayim is about. And you mentioned the Siyam. Our hope is that we can have a worldwide Siyam. We are asking the chief rabbis of each country to do the Torah parts, and we're asking Israeli leaders to do the other parts. We are reaching out to President Herzog and the head of the Supreme Court, who I think we mentioned earlier in yeah, the show. Yeah, which is... Uh, and we want Which you is a get, as they say in the industry. <laughs> and we'd like you, Nachum, to get us your own gone to sing. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask Shai him. Abramson to do the Kel Mullen. I'm going to ask him as well. And we're trying to reach out to Andrew Blinken, uh, the Department Secretary of State. Right. If anyone has a connection with him and can help us with that, we'd be thrilled. We're trying to get figures who aren't part of one part of the Jewish people, but all parts of the Jewish people. And like we said earlier in the show, if we don't come out of this more unified than we went in, I think we're missing the message and chas v'sholem to put Hashem in a position he has to raise the volume for us. I mean, that's, let's learn a lesson at least. Let's at least learn a lesson from this, a very painful lesson and one that come, came with a tremendous price as you heard your student, Mikey, 
describe the work he's had, that he's had to do and the enormity of this tragedy that he saw with his very own eyes. One of the people, as you said, who's helping with the Seum celebration is uh, Gavri Siegel. He's here. And uh, what, what could you tell us from your perspective about this big event that's expected a few weeks from now? If everything works out, it should be, I mean, I'm not so holding in the subject, but it should be the biggest um, learning as a worldwide community as a worldwide community that's ever been done. I right. think that's uh, fair to say. And um, being on the the back end of it and really trying to plan all of it out, it's really, um, it's crazy to see Rabbi Tarragon, what he, um, what Rabbi Tarragon has in the vision. It's much easier to see when you're, when you're dealing with it at the, um, at the core. What are we expecting from people? Are we expecting them to sign up for certain sections? Are we expecting neighborhoods and communities to take on a commitment? How is this CM going to work? So what we need is as many people as possible to sign up for Mishnayos, whether that's with a community, with a shul, a school, anyone. Just take on the responsibility. That's it. And what we did was, which is what we make ourselves different was, we um, assigned each Mishnah instead of instead of just learning all the all the people who have been killed, we labeled each Mishnah for, for someone who has been killed. So you really get to have the feeling you're actually learning for someone in specific when you, when you learn the Mishnah. That, that's a difficult task to get together all those names of those, unfortunately, who have, been, <laughs> who have been taken out by the enemy. My gosh, I mean, could you imagine the numbers we're talking about now? We know that the, Israel has fought wars and not had casualties like this in any short time span like what happened on... Shmini Atzeris. Uh, so there, there, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, who are going to be recognized oh, yes. and thought about every time someone learns around the world on their behalf. How do people get more information about all of this? Um, I think Achenu.world backslash Siam. On the uh, website, it's, I think the front page has the, um, the, Google, the Google sheet for signing up for Mishnayos. On the phone, it sends you the link. It sends you to uh, the app. So as and long someone as can actually participate by just learning one Mishnah? That's it. That's, That's all we need. Interesting. And is it filling up or just started? Yeah, just started, but we're, we're filling up uh, more and more as we go along. And the big celebration will commemorate all those Mishnayas that were studied by people around the world one at a time uh, in one big unified effort. It's pretty remarkable, frankly. Uh, most Siyumim, as you know, you know, will commemorate the fact that one person has learned a Seder of Mishnayas or a synagogue has learned a Seder of Mishnayas <laughs> uh, or a Shisha Sidre Mishnah uh, or an entire community sometimes, depending on circumstances and events that might lead to it, but that the entire world comes together one Mishnah at a time that's frankly unique. You must uh, take great pride, Rabbi Tarragon, that people are responding the way they are. I take pride in our Talmud Gavri <laughs> Siegel and his family and the other Talmudim who are working. Gavri, by the way, didn't mention it, but he's the one who copied and pasted the names Mishnah by Mishnah into each one. So Did not do it alone. I had plenty of yeah, help. Yeah, but he was responsible for <laughs> it. No wonder I could never get a hold of him. Now I understand. <laughs> but, and, you know, going Mishnah by Mishnah, making sure they get names right, obviously, sadly, continuing to update the names as it goes. And if Hamas made us feel like our lives don't matter, the way we emphasize that they do is learning Mishnah, which is the letters of Neshama. We all have a Neshama. And, you know, there's a lot of Siyams already being planned around the world. And what I'm doing now is reaching out in each country and saying, why don't you do it as part of something bigger with us? And, you know, you asked, is it filling up? People don't realize what their small actions, the implications they have. People go on the sheet, they see 100 people signed up. If they see 1,000 people signed up, more people are going to sign up. I hope every person listening to the show right now it's doesn't a ripple say, effect. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Right. They should go in right now, put themselves down, ideally on the earlier pages till they fill up. You know, I want to call the president of Israel. I got his number and I have a connection, but I'm not calling him yet because I want the first sheets to be filled. And when he looks at it, I want him to see the Jewish people are coming together. 
I don't want him to see a spot on that opening sheet where it's not filled in. Right. And, uh, you know, if there's a spot in Argentina, you missed the T-neck list, put yourself down in Argentina, they're Michael. So <laughs> I'm saying the Icar is we should all come out. If you're on a shul list, if you're on a community list, send the link to others and say, please do um, write yourself for a Mishnah now, not in two weeks from now, because when you write it now, a Jew in Uruguay goes on there and looks at you and sees that you're learning. I'm assuming that anybody around the world will be able to watch and participate live. Absolutely. The Siam is going to take place in Mirat Hashem, November 12th. I'll speak briefly as to why that date. It's more than 30 days after the massacre. Shloshim goes by the burial. And as we know, the burials are still not sporadic. finished. Still not finished. And so yeah. we chose the Sunday after, 35 days after the event, two and a half weeks from now. It'll be 11 p.m., 11, uh, 6 p.m. Israel time, Mirat Hashem, which is 11 a.m., on the East Coast, and what we're recommending to shuls and schools is have a gathering before or afterwards where you do your own seum. Yep. And then do ours before or after, and you'll become part of the world's event. And all Jews around the world commemorating through learning together. And, you know, I want to make another suggestion, Nachum. Instead of learning the Mishnah yourself, learn it with a Jew next door. Learn it with a Jew who never learned Mishnah. Explain, here's a soldier, can you learn this with me? Take a parak instead of one Mishnah. Parak's not a lot. Take a parak, find seven other Jews if there's seven Mishnayos. Ideally, people you don't have a Kesha with. Learn a Mishnah with each of them. It's a good suggestion. Also, on the secular calendar, it's not lost on the fact that it's almost the, uh, right around the anniversary of Kristallnacht. Uh, the comparisons between the Holocaust and, the, and this episode are vast. Uh, so for many of us, when we get to that area of the calendar, we think of that as well. Um, at JMAM Wednesday, we are in uh, Yeshiva Rakotol, Rabbi Ruben Tarragon and Gavri Siegel are with us. Those of you who are looking to follow the direction uh, of both of them in this regard, regarding the Siam on November the 12th, it's very simple. It is uh, achenu.world backslash Siam, right? achenu.world backslash Siam. We'll certainly remind you as we get closer here at JMAM, and we hope that everybody around the world participates in this unique, very different type of Siam celebration, which as Rabbi Tarragon described, might include some of the some of the names very familiar with Jewish leadership who won't, wouldn't normally participate in a program like this. And that, of course, is one of the most important goals of all of this. And I thank you for your hospitality. If I can end with sure. just a... If you're listening to this show, what do I do right now? We all want to bring Achdas, how do I do it? I'd like to suggest and ask everyone to do the following things to summarize. Please. Sign up for a Mishnah. Right. Ideally a Perak, maybe a Masechta. Take a lot. Take more than you can and inspire others too. Think of the people in your lives you need to make up with. This is the time when it's easy to do and you have a responsibility to do it. Think on the communal level. What are we doing to bring Jews together? Are there joint statements by the rabbis of the shuls, all the rabbis? They're not saying you're right, you're the good rep. Are there joint statements of the principals? Are there joint statements of the federations? There's many joint statements. Do you have an achenu thing that you're wearing? I wear an achenu shirt every day. Since I got it nine days ago, except if Shabbos, I didn't get my button down one yet. My heart is in such pain, and it, 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 it's solving it through this, this, this logo. There are banners. There's a four-meter one outside Shivata Kota. You can order a banner with the Achinu logo on it, bumper stickers, shirts. Um, if every Jewish school, shul, home, and business has this on it, we're going to feel like one people. And just between when we spoke, Nachum, I got a call from one of the Dayonim, the Federation in England, one of the orthodox groups there, the Federation. And he spoke to me about it, and he said, you know, this is really where we need to go. I said, can we get the Federation, which is a more yeshivish organization to support, because we're going to have to think, you know, what we can align with, what we can align with. And I said to him, you're not aligning with anything but the Jewish people. Mm. You're not aligning with anything but the Jewish people. It's not, this is not run by any organization. It's not shaykh to any organization. I hope every organization in the Jewish world that believes in Achtos will step behind and say, let's do this. Not because it's me, because it's us. And we need it. 
Desperately. And I want to say more than what you just said. Not only do we need it, but if we don't do it, if we don't do it, God it means knows. we didn't get the message. Right. We didn't learn a lesson. It's not a hidder mitzvah. Right. It's something we, we are responsible for right now. Thank you, everybody, Tarragon. Thank you for everything, and thank you for your hospitality. Gabri Siegel, I thank you. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM. We've got our chairman who's going to join us in a moment. We've got a uh, distinguished group of soldiers from the IDF who are going to be visiting us here at JM in the AM this hour in just a few minutes from now, assuming that uh, their ride gets here on time, which we are very, very much hoping. We're very anxious to speak with them. So we are hoping that their ride gets here on time, and they'll be joining us in the next few minutes here at JM in the AM. Our chairman, uh, Yigal, help me out. Our chairman is no longer known as Ralph Rosenbaum. What is he, what, how is he being referred to now, Yigal? Shmuel. Moshe Shmuel? Yeah, Shmuel Moshe. Shmuel Moshe Rosenbaum. Our chairman is Shmuel Moshe Rosenbaum. Hi. To him and Bracha Rosenbaum, we want to say thank you for sponsoring our journey, allowing us to give messages of support, compassion, and love to our brothers and sisters in Israel and to transmit all these important messages that we're talking about today all around the world. Ralph, welcome back to JM&AM. Thank you, Nachum. Listening today to um, Rabbi Tarragon, listening to the people, listening to the kids. I can't call them kids. They are mature, 20, 24 years old. And I could see in the years away, they are, they are, they are the leaders of the future, and they are doing a great job now. Because I think when I was 18, I was a pishkala kid. Didn't know from anything. But um, I... Kolokovo to you for what for what we're doing today. And listening to Rabbi Paragon, unbelievable. And I was totally moved, totally moved by the by the soldier who had to move bodies. And I was just thinking the Holocaust. I was thinking the Holocaust. My parents were both in it. My mother was in Auschwitz. I was thinking of these bodies and what we see on the screen, what what I see on the screen, what I see through the movie, when I see through movies, TV shows, Schindler's List, I see it, but, but he, was, he, he was live. He's actually seeing it. He's actually doing it, and it's a totally shock. It, 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 got, to be, it got to me so much. So uh, Hamas is uh, Nazi Germany all over again. Yeah, so that's what they are. I'm going to say like that. I'm glad you say it as definitively as you do. It's yeah. exactly what they are. So, and, and, and teasing, not teasing, I, I, I think it's, it's cute. I think it's good. I, I, going here through the day, I've always Ralph Rosenbaum. That's what's on my birth certificate and somewhere. But my Hebrew name is Shmuel Moshe Ben Pichas, and my wife is Bracha. And uh, I don't know. Ever since uh, we're, we're in Israel, we're doing this. I think from now on, we're going to be the chairman, Shmuel. Wow. And that's, that's, that's it. Because and, and if my, wife is, my wife should be listening. But uh, you're doing something. You're doing, um, you're, you're doing something. Very straightforward, but you're you're basically doing a, another message because I have bothered, and she knows it, and our friends know it. I have bothered. We have to make Aliyah. We have to make Aliyah, and I don't mind it. Yes, it's tough out here. There's a war, but people, I walked through the streets of Jerusalem to them. I walked through the Jaffa Gate. I walked through the Arab Shuk, I'm going to say, to the Kotel. It was empty. The stores were closed. Some were open. The, the hotel, there was nobody around. I remember I'd been here before. The place was booming. We have to make, we have to come and support. Yep. I'm not going to come into war. So far, so good. But come 
and make your support. Talk to your shoes. Talk to Federation. Chizuk missions. Chizuk missions. That's basically it. We have to do that. We have to show. We have to show support for what is going on in 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 our state of Israel. If you're Jewish, this is where we belong. God bless you, Shmuel Moshe. Toda Rabbah. God bless you. Toda Rabbah. Uh, I think this was a very productive couple of days, and I thank yes. you again. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M., we are waiting in the next couple of minutes. Three Israeli soldiers are going to join us, literally back from their duty, one of them back from the front. I'm not sure what they are or are not able to tell us on the air, but we get to greet them coming up here at J.M. and the A.M. Um, two minutes? Is it two minutes, seriously? That's great. If it's only two minutes, that's great. I want to remind everybody about the uh, purchasing of the Vests program that Rav Rimona has coordinated and the Mizrahi has uh, partnered with him, um, named after the Peretz Battalion and the Peretz family as they're going through the ordeal of having a son who is now a missing soldier since Shemini Atzeres. Mizrahi.org slash Tsevet Perez. Mizrahi.org slash Tsevet, T-Z-E-V-E-T-P-E. R-E-Z. Uh, again, uh, um, Mizrahi.org slash Sevet Perez. Tomorrow morning we're back. I don't know which studio we'll be using, but it'll either be the New York or New Jersey studio for JM and the AM. Avrami will start things off if the plane lands late. And then Friday, of course, our weekly update and more right here at JM and the AM. So make sure to be tuned in all week. Today is a live lunch day. It's Wednesday with me and Jesse Zweig. We'll have a lot of brand new music and more starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And by the way, speaking of Rav Daron Peretz, JM Rewind, which follows this show, will feature the conversation we had with Rav Daron about his missing son. And uh, also in that same episode of JM Rewind, you'll hear the Rabbi Fast, Tony Gelbart interview from last week. Yesterday's interview with Rabbi Fast. Uh, got us a very, very hot rating on our app, to say the least. It's obvious that the listeners were very, very uh, interested in staying tuned in as Rabbi Fass was uh, speaking yesterday. Say it again? Five minutes? 
Okay. Take this break and then back with more coming up. You're listening to a um, Wednesday morning edition of JM and AM from Yeshiva Kotel. Yeshiva Kotel in Yerushalayim here at JM in the AM.
Well, we never, ever stand. We never, ever stand in the middle of a JMNAM show, but I'm going to stand for the heroes of the IDF who just walked in here. Uh, yeah, you may want to get this documented, that I'm actually standing. I think the last time I stood for anybody was when my father of blessed memory walked into my studio uh, on that fateful day in 2008. I think it was the last time I ever stood uh, Dafka for a guest on JMNAM, but I'm standing because it is out of respect for the IDF soldiers who have just walked in and are spending time with us on a Wednesday morning here at JM in the AM uh, because we have a list here of three potential guests. I will ask the two uh, gentlemen who are two officers who are sitting in front of me to identify themselves. Who are we speaking with this morning here at JM in the AM? You are? Uh, my name is Gabby Katz. You're Gabby. Yeah. From Chicago. From Chicago. And this is? Uh, Eitan Drafkin. Oh, sorry. Eitan. Eitan Drafkin. From? Also from Chicago. Well, I have regards for you. I was at Emma's Friday morning, so regards. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to think that we're we're, uh, shirking our responsibility to do what we can in diaspora to help our uh, soldiers here. But even we needed a break from that, so we ended up at Emma's on Friday morning. And you're joined by Yitzi Rothschild of Teaneck, New Jersey. Yitzi, a pleasure to welcome you to thank JM you. in the AM. Appreciate it. Thank you. And the three of you are sitting here, just so I could paint the picture for our audience. The three of you are sitting here in your uniforms. We've been told that at least one of you, maybe all three, you'll tell us, uh, are literally here from the front. Eitan, am I right about that? Yeah, all three of us are <laughs> All three of you. Yeah. Literally from, and, and, and first of all, is there anything I'm restricted from mentioning here, or, or you'll tell us if we get into any... Go for it. Okay, go for it. It's right. Free carpet. Whatever you want. And what were you going to say when I mentioned the front? You were about to say something? No, we're all together. You're all together. We're all together. And you've spent how much time together? Have you been together since you were deployed? We we went to Yeshiva together here. um, And we've been, we were in the army together, our full service, and then reserves also. Right. Now, this all begs the question before we talk about the current war, and I know you literally just showed up here and likely have things to do that are much better than sitting with me for the next few minutes. I, I appreciate your indulgence and your patience. 
But this all begs the question of how does a regular Jewish American boy from Chicago or Teaneck get this desire and then with tremendous enthusiasm serves the Jewish people in this capacity? Wow, it's a big question. But I think a lot of it stems from the chinuch that I was given both from my parents, from the institutions I went to, both from INJ and TBC. This is the ideals that they gave me um, that inspired me and led me to where I am today. It's pretty amazing. And I assume the two of you have a similar answer if we'd ask you. Uh, so who's going to tell us about the last couple of weeks? Again, with whatever you could share, who's going to tell us about the, the danger that you've been in? And frankly, I was today in Herzliya for the Shiva call, for the lone soldier who I was told was just, I don't know, a kilometer away from you guys when that uh, rocket struck their tank or somewhere in the neighborhood, let's put it that way. So obviously you were in harm's way where you were serving, and that's got to be a scary feeling. And, uh, and in general, I mean, we know what the enemy wants to do and what they have the potential of doing. So what was the experience like over the last few weeks? Um, I actually started in America. Um, so I wasn't here when it all wow. started going down. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been an experience. Um, you really see and feel the enemy. Um, and you understand how important it is to, to be there to make sure that... Um, the, uh, the average citizen of Israel doesn't have to deal with that. And how different is what you know from what we know? In other words, we are sitting here wondering, is Hezbollah going to start up in the north, right? It's one of the biggest topics of the day. I'm assuming that you're briefed by your commanders, what to be prepared for, what the likelihood is of different things happening. I mean, and you're, you're laughing a bit as I say this, because I hope that doesn't mean you're not as prepared as I think. But I mean, but what is going on in the daily routine of a soldier in your situation who's anticipating the possibility of the enemy attacking? So actually, most of the time, we don't have, half the time, we don't have our phones on us for certain things that we do. Security um, reasons. Security reasons. So therefore, actually, you're probably more informed about some of the things right. um, than we are. Um, the things that we are informed about is we're regular soldiers, and therefore, they tell us what, a need-to-know basis. Um, so they're not going to tell us a bigger picture because they know we're going to show up on the Nachum Siegel Network and uh, going <laughs> to want to share it with the world. Blabbing, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. exactly. The, uh, <laughs> we're sitting with three heroes. You, you guys, seeing your disposition, you must hate the fact that I'm calling you heroes, but whatever. Uh, to us, you are. Gabi's the real hero here. It's, it's all Gabi. Gabi. He's the one, huh? He's the leader. Uh, Gabi, Yitzi, and Eitan are here, literally back from the front. Um, so now, sadly, we were told that this leave is only 24 hours. And I, That's I, amazing. It is amazing because yeah. you're, you at least have a day off, right? Yeah. We haven't been home since uh, Simcha, Simcha Stora. Right. Uh, you, did you leave from here? Where did you leave from? I wasn't even home. I was in Yeshivo with these guys here. And I was coming here and then... Yeah. Did anybody leave from their home in Israel or Yeshiva? To, to so, so, yeah, so Yitzi and I were in Yeshiva uh, for Simchas Torah. Here or somewhere else? No, here. Like here, in literally in this building. In this building. Or here so, so my son saw you in 10 minutes get out of here. and get, Exactly. And exactly, yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, and uh, there's certain things. You're in a rush. You don't really know what's going on. I was Zohar to be able to go get a bracha from Rav Nevensal in the old city right before I left. But as soon as we left, I ran home to my apartment in Baca. Yitzi was there. I was and we packed up our, backed up our stuff and we uh, started driving and it was the weirdest thing. Most of the cars we saw driving on Simchas Torah, Shmini Yatzeret, were on Shabbos, were all like people in Madim in their army uniform and a lot of them were religious people and it was just a, such a weird atmosphere that was going on. And essentially from then till now, have you been doing the same thing, been in the same place? Like what, until this time off that just started, 
have you been at that same base the entire time? Pretty much, meaning the first day we got all our gear, we, we got a little briefed on what's going on. We went, you know, after that first night, we went already to our base. We switched off from different places in the area that were up on north, um, but pretty much we were doing very similar jobs um, uh, every day. On the border. On the border. You'd have to agree, and, obvi and, and obvious just to the listeners realize that you're talking about the northern border, obviously, um, with reservists split, I guess, I don't know what percentage, north and south. Um, I have to assume that you and your commanders expected some type of uh, accelerated activity once Simplest Torah ended. I have to assume that the way things were going, that you expected in the first week to really have to be, you know, at the top of your game, so to speak, and, and, and quite obviously, it's not a secret, all that, it seems, has been delayed. Now, I'm not asking you for predictions about when things will or won't start, but does it affect the morale when, you know, a couple of weeks ago you guys thought that you'd at least have to be, you know, in the state that I described at the top of your game on high alert, and now things have been, you know, a little different than expected? Um, yeah, I, you know, as time goes on, it definitely uh, it gets harder. You know, you have to remind yourself you got to stay fresh and sharp and you can't, you know, can't, uh, can't lower your guard at any point. Um, but at the same time, the longer you're there and preparing, you know, you get comfortable with the boots again. You see, you see all your guys again. You, you run drills together and you actually, uh, the more time goes on, we actually, the strength, we get stronger. Anybody been at the base yet to grill up some uh, delicious hamburgers and hot dogs, or you guys were not the beneficiaries of that effort? Not yet. We're hoping tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. You're hoping tomorrow night. We're hoping tomorrow night someone shows up. See, that's, I'm starting to look forward to that, it. That's why we're going back. <laughs> it's exactly and yeah. now the big question, what do the, uh, what do the Drabkin, Rothschild, and Katz parents think about all of this, especially when they are having... When they're having trouble reaching you, because as you, as you would, I hope they're listening. Hey, hey, I need <laughs> ratings. I hope they're listening. <laughs> Especially as you described, at least half the time, generally speaking, you're unreachable, right? That's fair to say. At least half the time, you're unreachable. They, they've got nothing to worry about. We are cutting cucumbers and tomatoes, <laughs> making salads, um, and everything's great. That's the whole thing. That's the extent of your service. Huh? Yeah, pretty you're, much. You're not dressed for that role, by this the way. Is, I would expect an army apron. This is a kitchen and not, knife. And not, not AK-47 yeah. or whatever that is. I think it's Sorry. a more, more serious a weapon knife. than that. I don't even have one. It's good. You can't share with us parental reaction to all this? I, I'll add in one thing. That's okay. Um, for being up there, one of the special things is that we have each other. That, you know, we have three of us here. But like up there, we're about 50 guys. We're like a family up there. We have each other for the last two and a half weeks. You know, we give each other food, we look out for each other, we make sure everyone's taken care of. So for my parents, you know, it's very hard for them that I'm here. They don't know. We don't have our phones 24 hours, sometimes 72 hours. And it's very hard for them. But when they know that I have, you know, these guys, I have Gabi, I have Eitan, I have Jordan Panich, who's up there, Ari, Ari Levine, and a few other people up there with me that, uh, that work together, you know, give them a more just um, confidence that everything's, not confidence, is what I'm looking for. What? Faith. Faith. Faith, you know, more comfort. More covered that everything's okay. I guess comfort's a word. And you also have one other with you. HaKadosh Baruch that's obvious. Uh, that's a given. But, but you must feel that. You have to feel it. We feel that, yeah, every day, every single second that we're in the field. But I was saying before, you know, to actually have each other there, my parents thought that just because I don't answer my phone doesn't mean that one of these guys won't answer their phone. My parents right. are very much in contact with all of us. And the fact that, you know, I might not answer, but Gabi can't answer, gives my mom almost the same, you know. Uh, Do any of the three brain. of you have younger siblings? Yeah. Do they, do. do they think you're the greatest hero in the history of the Jewish people? I, I hope so. They better. No, but I'm being serious. I think by now. If it wasn't TBC hockey, it's probably now. 
What is a greater position to be in in the hierarchy of the Jewish community? A star of TAVC hockey or a member of the IDF forces? That, that is a question I'm going to ponder for a while. There you go. The, the next time I see Coach, uh, who's the coach we always see at Sammy's? At, uh, at Poppy's. Not Mo. The uh, Coach Blumenthal was his last Norm. name? Norm. When I see Coach Norm, I'm going to ponder that question with him, which is a more glorious position. Are there any other TABC grads in your unit or that you come across in the, uh, in the Army? In our unit, Sam Ulanson was with me back in the day, but not in reserves. I know right now Shoma Krupnik's in our res- oh, wow. yeah. Not I, th- I don't know if Nafi Lieber might be. I'm not sure. Um, few to from Teaneck. Um, it's, it's amazing. The bunch of guys. I think I'm on the wall in TBC. I got into one of the pictures. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Where'd you go to Skokie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Yeshiva. Yeah. I think just so from properly, please. I, I was just in Chicago over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I pronounced right, Emma's, I'm I pronouncing it properly. <laughs> um, boy, I'll tell you, you guys have. Uh, I, I feel bad taking up your time, and you have so much to do, but just. Two th- Thank you. First of all, <laughs> how, they were famous. how will you spend these 24 hours? Is, are you going to sleep for 18 hours? Like, how are you going to spend these 24 hours? Besides being on jail. I was going to stay here for a few more hours. <laughs> I was pretty enjoying this moment right now. It's such a great show. You want to stick around. Huh? But seriously, what are you going to be doing? I know what I would do if I was told you have 24 hours off. What are you doing for the next 24 hours? Is sleep part of it or not? Hopefully, we haven't got that far yet. You know, right. we just literally got back to Yushalayim, and I'm still have to go home to Kivat Shmuel. Right. We'll see. Hopefully, my roommates will be there. I think they're throwing a little party tonight because nice. I haven't seen them in two and a half weeks. Nice. Uh, but yeah. Well, as we so go, we'll figure get it to, out. You'll get together with friends. Friends, laundry, And sleep, go to sleep early. And eat chocolate chip cookies. I need some cookies, right. Yeah. Just do it. Just go back to something you said before. It just popped into my mind. The, um, I heard this quote in, in the name of someone else who was talking about the, uh, I think it was the Six Day War, um, and he was recounting his experiences and how... Everything that they planned um, didn't go exactly as they thought, and everything that did go well wasn't because they planned it. Um, and, you know, thank God, thank God some of our plans work out pretty well on the front lines, but I think it's like a real message. I don't know. Gabby's, Gabby's writing a whole book about messages and stuff like Seriously? this. But um, that's definitely one thing that when you're, when you're there, you really see it. Like, you, thank God we, we do our best, but when things are like this, it's really just all in his hands, so... And we've got to recognize that. What was it like seeing Rav Nevinsal up north? So I'll tell you a story about seeing things in, in Hashem's hands. So I wasn't supposed to get off this morning with them. They were supposed to be off. I was still in one of, I was actually in the middle of one of these 24 hours. I didn't have my phone. Right. And they called me out. Gabby's been very lonely in the past few days without me and Yitzi next to him. So. <laughs> it's true. It's it true. I have been very lonely. It's rough on the front lines, fellas. <laughs> it's tough. Um, so I, I was there. But the day before, I was having a really hard time because without friends there. And it was, just, it was just a tough moment. So I just opened up some Tehillim. Um, and I was just like saying to Hillem, just like asking for a little bit of help. And then uh, I write like, this journal thing. And in my journal, I quoted a piece by Rav Nevinsal. Mm. just happened to be that I quoted a piece by Rav Nevinsal. Right. And the fact that I was able to get off and to help Rav Nevinsal out of, out of who knows where, come and visit our base, which is only about, you know, like 50 religious chayalim that were there, opposed to where he's going to visit hundreds or thousands of them, was just like in the same Beit Knesset where I was saying the Tehillim, asking Hashem for help to get me to be off with these guys. I just, there's no greater, every, if you just open your eyes to things of the sort, it, it, it's really incredible, especially when you're doing things that are so much ruts on Hashem, so much of what you think Hashem really wants from you. It, it opens up so many doors and so many ways of seeing, you know, 
And just so people life. understand that this happened today. This you're, happened. You're this meeting with him, right? Yeah, just four hours, hours ago. Five Say it again. This morning. Hours four hours, right. five hours ago. What time is it now? Yeah, five hours ago. It's almost four o'clock. So we met. This close to meeting Rav at eleven o'clock. Amazing. Yeah. And he takes his uh, avas Yisrael very, very seriously. He has tremendous love for everybody. I'm sure you feel that way when you see him. And uh, was he? I assume giving out blessings, brachos to everybody who was uh, walking. Yeah, over he him. he only stopped he stopped at our base because he was dropping. Our friend was off yesterday Seriously? from here, and you're our, serious. Our friend got a tr- got a ride with her Nevins off. It was the a base. coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he went to a second base, and they sent the pictures from both bases from the other the other base. Um, the text was forwarded that you know they all got around Nevins off for a picture at the end, and then at the last second, Nevins all just put his arms around the soldiers and just gave the biggest smile in the world. <sighs> Unbelievable! Finally. You guys know the American Jewish community. You know Chicago. You know New Jersey. Are you aware of the efforts that are being made to support Israeli soldiers? I don't just mean financially, but in general, people of all ages back home, so to speak, we know that this is home, but you get my point, uh, are doing everything they can to you know, express unity and love for you guys here. What do you know about that? Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, I can just only speak for myself. I know I've had multiple... People and organizations reached out and said, can you send us a Chizuk video? Can you send us our Torah? Honestly, I've been not so great about that. I haven't really <laughs> my phone. Um, but, you know, I was, I was talking to one of my friends who is back, back in New York right now. And he said, you know, it's kind of tough because, you know, the first few hours, the first few days, you know, everyone, everyone's donating, everyone's running around. But then they're not sure, he's not sure what to do with himself because he's got to live his life. He, but he has, you know, he's got classes. He's got cheer to go to. He's not sure. But he also, he's not sure. Should he be checking the news all day? What should he right. be doing? So I don't know. I don't know if this is an agreed upon opinion, but you know, I was thinking to him. Like I, I, I shared with him, I was like, you know, we're not looking for you to to stop your life, you know, um, and like the reason we're doing what we're doing is so you can continue. So right. obviously, you know, but it, but it is and, nice to know that they're thinking of. You. Yeah, right. yeah, um, yeah. Definitely nice to know that they're uh, they're thinking of us. And I told him also. He said like we're not sure what to do with ourselves. You know, like, you might not be on the front line, but even if you're not, like, there's so many things to do, whether whether it's a donation or it's going to organize stuff that's being shipped or to Hillam groups or learning initiatives. Um, there's endless amount of good things that, that to, to be done, um, and they all help. I so. was in uh, Yeshurun on Shabbos, or by Cohen. I'm sure you're familiar with the synagogue. If you would have heard the way he spoke about you guys. And, and this is somebody who, uh, I don't know if, you know, in his area of the Jewish world, there are that many soldiers, or there are that many, you know, people who are interested in doing what you're doing, but the love that people have for the Jewish people in general, especially someone like him, but uh, for the soldiers in particular is pretty remarkable, and uh, I'm glad you're feeling that on this side of the world. Um, what about New Jersey? What do you hear about activities back there? What don't I hear? <laughs> what, what, what isn't happening in Teaneck, both Teaneck, New Jersey, and New York? That, uh, so much. I can't, whatever I say now, I won't do justice to all the good things and like incredible chesed that they're all doing there. Between, A, just the text messages get, making sure that my, our base has food every night, just ho- at least one hot food at night, or just making sure that everyone up north has clothing. Um, Have you heard about the duffel bags that are... Uh, heard. That are being I, tossed out to the plane? We <laughs> flew, I flew with 12 of them. Seriously? Yeah. 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 I feel guilty. I only flew with one. <laughs> I feel well, terrible. I had, I had two of you with me. I had two of you with me. <laughs> no, but you should just know, you know, whenever we get these, like, packages of food or whatever it is, you know, everyone always has, like, the little kids, like, write, like, a little right. note on it. And, you know, I remember, you know, back in the day being a little kid, I remember like, okay, you know, who cares? Soldier has, Are they even going to look at it? It's not even to make it to them, most likely. Um, and I'll have you know that I've, we've been on multiple bases now. We've been hopping around. And every single base I've been at, there's 
the little, there's where everyone sleeps, the little corner of the food. And right next to it, there's a huge wall with every single letter that showed up. And it's taped there, and people look at them. Some of them are funny. Um, some of them are a little graphic, I'll be honest. Um, but hey, most, it's 2023. Aggressive. No, but some of them are, no, but most of them are, are loving and supportive um, and in all languages. And they're coming from all over the world, and it's touching. Amazing. Anything you want to add, Gabby? Um, just back to the school thing. Sure. Um, I, I spoke, I did a, I had some, in my free time, I was able to speak at the high school at Ida Crown Jewish Academy and also at the middle school, Hill Torah. Um, and it's just all the teachers just want to encourage, use this opportunity, really encourage the students um, to maximize on their learning, maximize on their chesed that they're doing. Sometimes adding programs, but also a lot of the times it's just bringing meaning to their learning. Um, and just like the Pasuk goes, we talk about the people who are learning. You have the people who are standing on the borders, which are the soldiers, but the schuyot are from the people who are learning Torah. And like, it's really, that's what like the schools I feel like are trying to emphasize in their Talmidim and Talmidot, like in those, in the high schools and the middle schools, and really just trying to give them like more chizuk in their learning to be able to come, you know, learn better. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I just want to add though, that in your segment of the Jewish world, there are a lot of lonely mothers and wives right now who are taking, or I'm sure you're, you're serving with guys that had to leave their families. And that's a, you know, and that segment, everybody is in pain and anguish and everyone's doing everything they need to do as you just described and I admire all of that. But the greatest sacrifice is the one that uh, is being made by those families that are apart from each other during all of this. I agreed and there's a great initiative. Um, I don't know if I can say from who it is, but um, from Noah Greenblatt. Um, from Teaneck, and he actually was sending to Chaylin's mothers um, pictures of their kids with a nice apron and Shabbos candles, um, him along with his fiance, and they're sending it around across all of America, um, which I think is like what you're saying. We're yeah. focused on the kids, we're focused on this, but the people are the big sacrifice are the spouse or the parents, and I think there are people that are even, they think so much that they're even focused on the biggest sacrifices, which are them. No question about it. We've got the easiest job. And we're told exactly what to do. Everyone else. Can we do it? <laughs> Isn't it amazing that you think you have the easiest job and all of us think you have the hardest job? Is that funny? Or is it just a little sweatier? That's all That's it is. That's good. <laughs> How long did it take the train to use that weapon? Um, I mean, can you learn in a day or you need a week or what? You want to try? I, I, <laughs> I don't want to try it here. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe an open field. I think about it. Uh, our whole training was eight months. So I guess. But including the use of the weapon? It takes yeah, it's long? not the whole. It's not even close to the whole time. We did a few weeks on it and this one took a little more time. But And are you required or, or are you volunteering to carry that around over the next 24 hours? Or you're encouraged not to carry with you for the next 24 hours? I think Yitzi actually should answer this one. Yitzi, what do you got? <laughs> Are you required to he, wear it or not? He might be humble. Yitzi is our machine gunner, so he he uh, he wasn't allowed to bring it off base. Seriously? Yeah. And you guys are. <laughs> yeah, these different are, kinds of guns. These are, these are a little more safer. Type, type, type Can't of compare. Gunner. Wow. So in, it, while you, on your time off, do you carry it around or not? Um, we can choose to carry it around. If choose. not, we we break it apart and hide in different places and lock it up, etc. Right. But uh, I mean, we didn't even go home yet. We literally went straight from up here. Hey, so they're, they're priorities. Please, in life. please. No, but also <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is great because then people see us with the gun and they think we're you know we, we actually do things. I mean, we do but sometimes. Uh, I want to thank Yitzi Rothschild of Teaneck, New Jersey, now of Israel. Gabi Katz of Chicago, now of Israel, uh, at least for a couple of weeks. And <laughs> Eitan Dropkin of Chicago, uh, all of whom came straight to us from the front to join us at JMN. Fellas, God bless you. Amen. All the blessings in the world. There are a lot of people listening right now, and all of whom 
are with me in uh, wishing you all the best and safety and security and hopefully everything you're doing will lead to eventual peace for the Jewish people and a bright future for the Jewish people. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thank you all very much. They are actual heroes as much as they deny it. They are soldiers just returned from the front. The Israel Defense Forces. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AchimSiegel.com, and the AchimSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. What a way to wrap up. What a way to wrap up a Jewish unity initiative. What a way to wrap up with the heroes of the IDF. A big thank you to Ralph Rosenbaum. A big thank you to Yigal Siegel. A big thank you to Gavri Siegel. A big thank you to Rabbi Tarragon, and of course, the Yeshiva Dakoto. This has been two amazing days, and it seems that as the shows were going on, they were just getting better and better and better. Support our IDF soldiers support our Jewish communities in Israel and around the world and have tremendous compassion for those who are going through the situations that are, they are going through. The family that I visited this morning who are sitting shiva for a lone soldier, the families that are sitting and waiting for word about their loved ones being held by the enemy, and of course we pray for those who are wounded who are recovering now in Israeli hospitals and in their homes. Tomorrow we are back in the New York area. Join us for JM in the AM. Till then, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs> <laughs>